And we are on air for NASCAR fans for racing's Richmond Weekend Preview and Hot Topic Sound Off. Joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. I think we got some pivotal races coming up this weekend here at Richmond Raceway. Starting, I know we'll get into all of them, but the Truck Series has that's round two of their three-race playoff round one. So that one definitely has some highlight moments and just awaiting for us. Absolutely. Um, but in our first half hour, we are going to start with some short track news and perhaps some upcoming races in the short track, track arena. Uh, we'll also give some updates for the Arkham Menards, the East Series, and the West Series because uh, they're taking a break this weekend. They will not be on the track. Uh, at 9 o'clock, we do have some audio from Harrison Burton. He's the driver of the number 21 Woods Brothers Racing Ford in the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, we'll, talk, we'll hear some uh, conversation with him in the media. And then afterward, we preview the NASCAR Truck Series at Richmond Raceway. As you were talking about, we've got a lot to talk about there. Round The second race of the first round for the Truck Series in their playoffs. They have already started. At 9.30, we'll, get it, we'll offer some updates from the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Uh, they're also taking the weekend off. Then it's the NASCAR Cup Series at Richmond and our preview of that race. Of course, our Hot Topic Sound Off will start at 10 p.m. Eastern Time with our Fan for Racing crew. And uh, tonight, I believe we have Andy and Tommy coming on board to uh, discuss the hot topics with us. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. We'll start uh, with Racing America, some of the upcoming events or news that has come out in the last few days with regard to uh, short track racing. What what, uh, comes to mind for you? Well, the first one they got up there is uh, Casey Call and his confidence in his dream just beginning uh, is the article name there. Picking up a victory in the Granite State Pro Stock Series over Tyler Reddick. And we've mentioned this on many different drivers, many different cases at these short tracks. That's how you get noticed. We talk about the Cup Stars or Xfinity going back to these races. That's how you get noticed. You beat one of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly right. I remember a few years ago when it was Eric Jones beating Kyle Busch at the uh, one of the short tracks. I think it might have even been the Snowball Derby. But uh, that's what caught his attention of uh, who Eric Jones is and how good he is. And I, be- I believe uh, it was uh, Kevin Harvick that took note of Joey Logano. Joey Logano running the Arkham Menards East Series, and I want to say it was in the Midwest there. I don't remember if it was Elko, Minnesota or not, but somewhere in that area where Kevin Harvick and Joey Logano went door-to-door, and that's where Joey made his name. Yeah, I think it was at Fontana. Uh, not Fontana, but um, what's the other track out there? It wasn't Sonoma. It must have been Fontana. Uh, it was out at Fontana that Joey Logano got his win, and uh, he a lot. He woke up a lot of people with that victory. And I, okay. and I think about it. I know we, we're talking about short track right now, but comparing David Dillon being Kyle Busch, uh, 
back in the day uh, at the Xfinity level. Same thing. I mean, that's that's where you make your name, and Casey Call's doing that. Exactly right. Uh, I also wanted to mention that uh, there's still some racing going on out at uh, North Wilkesboro. Uh, this has been kind of a really fun thing uh, that has been happening out at uh, North Wilkesboro. And uh, this time it's the ARCA CRA Super Series and Southern Super Series that will be racing out there. And uh, their races will be taking place on the 12th and the 13th out at the historic Oxboro. So that's Friday and Saturday. They have a lot of people, uh, 31 as of Monday, uh, competitors, late model competitors that are entered in that race. And I didn't. And I didn't run through the. Uh, too. Okay, yeah, I didn't run through. Uh, I know Bubba Pollard's going to be at one of them. I'm not sure which, um, but there's a name when it comes to late model racing. So most certainly, you mentioned some names that are going to be there, putting on a great show for these fans. They certainly will. So this has been highly touted. Uh, a lot of people have been. Uh, very excited about North Wilkesboro and their racetrack revival. Uh, it's been taking place over the last couple of weeks. So um, there's also going to be the super late model teams will practice and qualify and take part in the 10-lap heat races on Friday, August the 12th, and that will set the field for the 75-lap feature on Saturday with the winner taking home $15,000. So that's a pretty big one. It is, and the highlight of it, we know this is being covered on uh, here on Racing America, uh, as well as, I believe, some of it being covered on Flow Racing, but the attention it is getting, I mean, that is the biggest part, and deservedly so, with what Norksville has done, they want to bring the track back, they made a big deal out of it, they're running asphalt and dirt over the next couple months, I believe the dirt will be in October um, coming up. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're making the best of the situation and blowing it out of the water, in my opinion. Yes, indeed. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of emotion uh, with people talking about North Wilkesboro and the racing that's been uh, taking place out there. But there's also a South Modified Field that's ready to take uh, three in Claremont. That's a $15,000 race as well. They've had two rainouts in the spring, uh, and uh, so they are uh, finally set to go green this Friday. So that's going to be a long-anticipated race uh, that's finally going to happen. And you've heard me talk about this. Uh, I know my dad's always been impressed. The modified, when it comes to the NASCAR level, are technically the fastest car. Based on their weight and size and engine, the horsepower, they are the fastest car that NASCAR sponsored overall. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta look into it. Don't take that as a they can drag race one another, but um, <laughs> they are the fastest car. Very cool, very cool. Uh, should we head over to uh, Flow Racing and see what's going on over there? Because there's always a lot of uh, racing that's going on there as well. All right, well, you uh, head over there and start that. I do want to give a shout out here. Uh, the Vories Compacts are one that are going to be on the venue of North Wilkesboro Friday and Saturday, and that's four-cylinder race cars. Uh, around here locally, we call it the Hot Shots. That's generally where your drivers get their start. 
but there again, that is a well-deserving uh, class that we see some great drivers starting. I think back to go way back in history. I want to say it was the Goodies Dash series that were uh, the four cylinders and six cylinders. Ah, okay. So uh, that is pretty cool. What uh, What did you find on Flow Racing? Okay, over on Flow Racing, uh, there is a lot of racing that's taking uh, taking place. Some of it starts even tonight with the Knoxville Nationals. Uh, that's always big uh, when Knoxville has the Nationals in town. And uh, it's the 61st installment of the NOS Energy Drink Knoxville Nationals presented by Casey's. Uh, so they're having qualifying night number two. Uh, and Kyle McFadden uh, from Flow Racing will be on Twitter and keep everybody posted on developments uh, for the racing. They had an opener uh, actually last night. Today is day two, uh, but this will continue throughout the weekend with uh, racing out at the Knoxville Nationals. And if fans aren't familiar with this, I think this is maybe one of the ones that really became known what they call the alphabet suit. Uh, racing now right now they've gotten so big they're doing preliminary races throughout the week but come saturday to get in the main event you could have to run five races just to get in the main event you start in the b main e uh and have to work your way up they take a couple out of each one and move up so you run the alphabet soup up through the b c b and a and i don't know how many they've had uh, you mentioned it 61st annual and this thing has just grown beyond belief Yes, it has indeed. Uh, there's an article here, too. Actually, it's a video of two, two minutes and uh, 52 seconds. Sammy Swindell is making his 47th attempt at the Knoxville Nationals, and that's record-breaking. So uh, a very big night for Sammy Swindell. And there are there several that's one of those... uh, videos about the Knoxville Nationals. Go ahead. Sammy Swindell is one of those. Uh, there, there's a few. Uh, Steve Kinzer is another one. I mean, a promoter's dream. I know when he made some circuits around here in this area, Mississippi and Alabama, I mean, you you were willing to drive three, four hours just to see that man race. And I got to see him uh, actually in Chicago at uh, Route 66 Speedway, which is back open again now. When we went to the Chicagoland race, I saw him over there. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Uh, also, there's drivers like uh, that are going to be in this event. Casey Kane is going to be there. A lot of people are familiar with that name. Uh, there's also uh, Michael Colfoyd. Uh We've seen Buddy Colfoyd, uh racing in NASCAR here of late. Uh, let's see if I recognize. I, I mentioned Sammy Swindell, uh, Chris Windham. There's so many uh, names here. Rico Abreu, a lot of people will recognize that name. He raced in uh, NASCAR for a while. Let's see. These names are hard to read, so give me just a minute. Brad Sweet, of course, is a big name uh, for the Knoxville Nationals. Kyle Larson is going to be racing there. Um, Austin McCall. So, yeah, there's a lot of big names on this list of drivers that will be, in fact, the car count is 51. That's why they have to have these heat races, right? Yeah, when you when you get that many cars, uh, again, to try and be fair, 
Um, and different tracks in series do it different ways, but one way they do it, these preliminary events, you build points, and then the top, say, 10 that have built points up throughout the week get locked into the main event on Saturday. Everybody else has to race their way through what they call the alphabet soups or B mains. Okay. So that is a huge uh, racing event that's happening this weekend. Uh, they, uh, Flow Racing and uh, Racing America, for that matter, always have a schedule up of what their races are going to be over the weekend. Uh, there is a lot of um, weekly racing that is the NASCAR's uh, Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series. Uh, they do a lot of coverage of those races that take place throughout the entire country. So you can check that out on the schedule. Uh, but they have so much racing going on this weekend uh, that if you are a racing fan, you're going to find something there that you're going to want to watch at the short tracks this weekend. Most certainly, and I know there's some big highlighted ones this weekend, but that goes for each and every weekend. You can find racing that you want to watch or interested in. That is so true. Uh, racing at uh, Bowman Gray, for example, or Hickory Motor Speedway, uh, Berlin Speedway, these are all famous tracks uh, that people come to race at from across the country. So uh, along with all these weekly racing series that are racing uh, as part of NASCAR. Again, feeder series as they climb the ladder uh, to NASCAR's top three. And I'm one, I know, uh, being a big NASCAR fan, a lot of your top drivers have always talked about Bowman Gray being one of them. These tracks in the Carolina area where some of the legends came from. Haven't had the opportunity to go over and see in person. Uh, still on my bucket list. I'm not giving up yet. Yeah. But to be able to then get to watch and you know become involved with them through the platform that Flow Racing and Racing America have provided. Yes, indeed. Eldora Speedway. A lot of NASCAR fans will recognize that speedway. Uh, they always have racing going on there, as well as Langley Speedway out here in the east. Uh, a big racetrack for for racing. Um, but we're going to have to move on, Jay. Uh, because it is time for us to get into uh, some of the updates about the Arkham Menard series. I know we did some of this on Monday night, uh, but for those people that may have missed Monday night's show, I think it's important that we go back over it again here with the Arkham Menard series. Uh, they are off this week, as well as the Arca East and the Arca West, uh, but we'll kind of cover uh, when the next races are coming up and then also uh, how the point standings are shaping up in those series. I'm going to start with the Arkham Menard series because that's the next race on the schedule. It is the General Tire Delivers 100 on August the 19th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time out at Watkins Glen International, and that will be televised on Fox Sports 1. And as it just so happens, that's the next installment of the Sioux Chief Showdown race as well. So it's going to be double points uh, for the drivers in that event. So, uh, again, August 19th at 6 p.m. out at Watkins Glen International. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1. What are our point standings uh, in both the Arkham and Art Series and the uh, Sioux Chief Showdown? 
Well, starting with the Arkham Menard series, um, I don't know. I noticed the article there said on uh, Arkham Menard's homepage that Nick Sanchez takes command of the point standings. I'm not sure of the use of the word command, but he does have the points <laughs> lead, uh, uh-huh. picking up another victory, his third on the year, but that has only now given him a seven-point lead. His teammate from Rev Racing, Rajah Karuth, right behind him. I mentioned seven points back. He's got five top ten, five top fives and ten top tens and ten starts, uh, and that points battle has been tight, along with third place Daniel Dye. He also has uh, seven top fives, ten top tens. He is nine points back, and those three have bounced around within that nine-point range. Raja hold, Raja Cruz holding the point lead most of the year with his consistency. Um, neither one of those have victories. This is Nick Sanchez's third victory but has only gone to a seven-point lead. So that tells you how consistent all three of those have been. And those are really now, the competitors for this year's championship. Uh, they really are. Uh, starting in fourth place, we've seen some great runs from Greg Van Alst, uh, a regular guest here on Fan for Racing. He's fourth in points, seven top tens in the 12 starts, is 84 points back. He's going to have a points battle of his own, though, with fifth place, Tony Bridinger, who is at minus 85. Then to round out the top 10, you got Amber Balcane, Brad Smith, Sammy Smith in his limited starts, and we'll talk about that as that applies to the Sioux Chief Showdown. Eight starts, two wins, seven of those eight top fives and top tens uh, puts him in the A spot in standings. Then you got Taylor Gray, also has three starts, six top fives in seven starts, puts him in the ninth spot and D.L. Wilson rounding out the top ten. So we've talked about that Sioux Chief showdown. You want to run down that a little bit again before I do the points? Yeah, let's go ahead and cover that as well. All right. Uh, Drivers are eligible for another championship. They select ten races, and a lot of them is due to their age. Uh, Mentioned the victories that Sammy Smith and Taylor Gray have had. They've come in those. So they're the two at the top of the points battle for the Sioux Chief Showdown. Sammy Smith with five starts has three wins, all five top fives, leads by 27 points over Taylor Gray, who's got one victory and four top fives in the five starts, 27 points back. At minus 31 is Leland Honeymoon. Uh, Honeyman. He's got five top tens, but only three of them being top fives, uh, that's again that consistency. That, I mean, that, that's a good stat line. Are you line, looking but, at the uh, Sioux Showdown? Yeah. Am I not? Because I don't see Leland I'm, Honeyman nope. at all. I take that back. I am in the. I apologize. I am in the East series. Okay, there we go. I thought those were di- okay. I apologize. I was in the East series, so we'll get back to that. Yeah, in a I could tell something's uh, wrong there. You're right. Sammy Smith uh, has a 19-point lead here in the Sioux Chief Showdown over Taylor Gray. Then you throw in the mix of Jesse Love in third spot, been running for uh, Venturing Motorsports at 229, four points behind Taylor Gray. Here the top three in the Arkham Menard series changes up a little bit. Daniel Dye is in fourth, Rajah Karuth in fifth, and Nick Sanchez in sixth at and they're sitting there still tight in points, 221, 219, and 215. Uh, rounding out the top ten here, Tony Bridinger here, 
she has the advantage over Greg Van Alst, uh, who's in eighth. And then Amber Balcane, Brad Smith, rounding out your top ten. Okay. So um, that, uh, that's how it stands. There are four races left for the ARCA Sioux Chief Showdown. We mentioned Watkins Glen being uh, the next one that's coming up. After the Watkins Glen event, there's Milwaukee, Decoin, and Bristol. So uh, that's going to be fun to watch. I love the Milwaukee Mile. I love Decoin, and I love Bristol. I love I love all of these races. So, uh, but those are four great races that are coming up here for the Sioux Chief Showdown. But their finale will be at Bristol. And a couple okay. of those, I believe, Bristol and Watkins Glen, you also have the, the grand stage of the Xfinity and Cup being there as well. So that always makes it interesting to see who shows up on that entry list. That is so true. Okay, moving on, though, that same weekend, the ARCA West is racing. They'll be racing the Napa Auto Parts ARCA West 150 on August the 20th at 6.30 p.m., Pacific time, that would be 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, and that will take place at Evergreen Speedway. Uh, Racing for this event can be seen on Flow Racing, Uh, so if you're a subscriber there, you'll be able to watch the live streaming of that event. If not, there's always the radio coverage that's available at ARCARacing.com. And the series point standings, I know you started to give us the east standings before. I'm sorry, the west. We'll We'll go into the west. Yeah, I'll make sure we're both on the same page. And the west series here, normally that's where we're talking about tight points battle. This is where somebody has taken full command. Jake drew six races, three of them being wins, all six top fives, has built up a 45-point lead. His average finish is 2.3. That's tough to beat. Mm-hmm. Got a couple drivers given chase, though. Cole Moore has three top fives in the six races. His average finish goes back to 6.8, though, and that's the difference right there. Uh, Tanner Reef, Tanner right Rife. behind him, four more points. Uh, Rife, uh, four more points back at minus 49. Todd Souza is minus 50, so right there with him. And then Paul Pedronacilli Jr. at minus 63 is your top five. Joey East, Kumakoga, and then Bridget Burgess, as well as Paul Pedronacilli in 10th, have all made all six starts. In between there in ninth spot, you got Austin Herzog. So and there's some battles within those, but Jake Drew has really set sail here in the West Series. He certainly has, so... Uh, we'll see if he can continue that uh, with this next race that's taking place out at Evergreen Speedway. Now, the last event that we'll talk about here tonight is for the ARCA East Series. Uh, their next race is taking place the following week out at uh, the Milwaukee Mile on August the 28th at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, and that will be televised on MAV-TV. You should also be able to see that on Flow Racing. Uh, so if you're a MAV-TV subscriber or a Flow Racing subscriber, you'll be able to watch this race. And the point and, here... And here's where we got... Yeah, here's where we got Sammy Smith, Taylor Gray, and Leland Honeymoon uh, battling it out. Top three within 31 points, not quite as tight, 
Uh, Taylor Gray minus 27, Leland Honeymoon minus 31 behind Sam Smith. His name Smith. is Honeyman. It's not Honeymoon. Okay. Um, fourth place right now is Stephanie Moyer at minus 73. Brad Smith sits in the fifth spot, and those five have made all five starts. Uh, guest here on Fan for Racing, Christian Rose currently sits in the sixth spot with four starts, two of them being top ten. It's 145 points out in the battle, but missing that one race. And then we got Jake Finch with three starts, all three being top ten, though. Eighth place, Daniel Feig. In ninth place, Connor Jones and Jonathan Schaefer in the tenth spot. And uh, the, what, five drivers, the top five are the only drivers that have raced all five races. That's right. And you see it uh, as it comes to points overall, uh, Stephanie Moyer and Brad Smith uh, sitting at minus 73, minus 76. So they got a tight battle between but that it's tough to keep up with that consistency. When you look at the top three, all of them being top fives, half of their races being top, or I'm sorry, all of them having top ten, half of them being top fives, if not victories. Four of the five victories have gone to the top two, though. Yes, indeed. So we've got a little bit of everything going on here with some really tight battles, uh, along with some that are kind of uh, – not as tight, and that some that are just walking away. Um, so a little bit of everything across all all four of the series here in the Arkham Menards umbrella. Well, and the one thing you can look at that is you expect that next year you may not see that because we've seen Sammy Smith dominate in this Arkham Menards series, Arkham Menards East series for a couple of years. True. We've seen what he's done in the Arkham Menards series now and has some Xfinity starts for Joe Gibbs Racing. So I think we're going to see him moving up uh, one of these other series here uh, sooner rather than later. Okay. And just so everybody knows, there is a broadcast schedule that's posted over at ArcaRacing.com that includes all of the series that are racing and how you can watch those races. Uh, They also let you know when the races are also available on MRN or Sirius XM. <laughs> Excuse me. So, uh, you know, print out that uh, schedule uh, or check it out. Excuse me. All of a sudden. <coughs> All of a sudden I've been taken over. <laughs> Jay. You, got, you got the frog I had last week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wet my whistle here and see if that helps. Okay, so, again, they just have that schedule. Sometimes there's um, a delayed broadcast of the race uh, that you can catch if you miss the original broadcast. You can catch that delayed broadcast over at USA. So that's where you find out that information uh, for each and every one of these races. Uh, for the, all three of the Arkham Art series, including uh, the fourth series, which is the Sujib Showdown. <laughs> okay, anything else you feel we need to mention before we move on? Uh, no, I think we pretty much got that, and I know we'll do a, a more in-depth preview uh, next week as we are a week out from those races, so stay tuned for that next Thursday night. 
Okay. Okay, sounds good. All right, uh, we're going to go ahead and move on. <clears throat> we do have some uh, pre-race audio, and this week it's from Harrison Burton. He's driving in the NASCAR Cup Series, the number 21 uh, for Wood Brothers Racing Ford. And uh, <clears throat> they asked him a few questions uh, this week. He had a media interview, and they did ask him uh, some questions. Uh, I'm going to go over some of the questions here. Sometimes you can't hear the question or whatever, uh, just so you know what he's talking about. <clears throat> the, the first question was, if you can't make the playoffs, what's a realistic goal for the rest of the season? Uh, then what have you learned the most in your rookie season? How do you feel about these next three tracks? I'm really interested in hearing what he has to say there. How would you grade your season to date? Uh, what does the run at the Indy Road Course do for you going into Watkins Glen? That's next week's race. And when you go back to Daytona, does any of the crash of the crash that you had at the 500 sit in the back of your mind at all? Uh, it might go a little bit further than that. I know uh, we usually play only about uh, <clears throat> we usually play only about uh, seven or eight minutes. But this interview actually goes for a full 34 uh, minutes, so uh, we won't be able to hear all of it. Uh, but we will uh, play the seven or eight minutes, and then Jay and I will comment on uh, the responses uh, on the other side. So we'll go ahead and put that on now. Let's get started with our weekly call here. we got the driver of the number 21 motorcraft quick lane Ford, Harrison Burton, joining us this afternoon. Uh, as we head back to Richmond for the second time, I'm sure it's nice for all you drivers to get back to a track for the second time with this uh, new next-gen car, Harrison. So we appreciate you joining us. We've got uh, a line of calls. If you've got a question for Harrison, raise your hand. Uh, and right now we'll just kick it off with uh, Chris Osborne. Go ahead, Chris. Just get us started. Uh, hey, thanks, Harrison. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you guys can still make the playoffs, and there's definitely a chance a uh, wild card race in the mix as well. If you can't make the playoffs, what's a realistically really good goal for you guys to finish the season? Uh, just, you know, honestly, this first part of the year obviously hasn't gone how we wanted it to. There's no denying that. There's no uh, rose-tinted glasses for that. There's been a lot of missed opportunities on our end. I think of cars that we had that were fast that I made mistakes or, you know, just missing, missing opportunities throughout the weekend to get decent finishes, right? And so uh, for us, I think, the biggest goal is just to maximize our weekends and, um, you know, show up to the racetrack and unload with a lot of speed. There's been a few weekends this year where we've unloaded, uh, been super fast off the truck, and those are all, like, when you look back over the year, those are all the, you know, the, the favorite ones that we have to look back at. I think about Gateway unloading off the truck, being fastest in practice for a little bit there and, and finishing well at practice, qualifying the top ten at kind of an intermediate short track hybrid, uh, you know, places like that, that, uh, you know, runs like that, that we need to have more and more often. And, and um, you know, even at the Indy Road Course getting our first top five, uh, it was kind of a, a, a weekend full of missed opportunities throughout the first half. And then all of a sudden the second half of the race comes and we take advantage of a lot of different things. So I uh, just need to get – better and better every week and uh, show progress at the end of the day, uh, show lap time. That's a, the biggest goal for us. We're working day and night. There's no, uh, 
There's no pointing fingers on our team, which is amazing. Um, you know, all of our team members at Wood Brothers Racing are all kind of pointing the fingers at themselves at what we can all do better. Uh, and I'm in the same boat and working as hard as ever to try and do this because it's, a, it's an honor to drive the 21 car and, and get it out front. It's a priority for us. So uh, at the end of the day, we've got to put the work in to do that. All right. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Chris. Let's go to Sterling Price. Hello, Sterling. Welcome to the call. Thank you. Uh, Harrison, real quick, um, with about, we're about two-thirds of the way through the Cup Series season. What would you say is the thing that you've learned the most that has been the most important in your rookie season so far? Yeah, I think uh, just learning these cars in general has been a real big challenge. Uh, they're a lot different to drive than the old generation car, and, and they're different to set up, and, and the priorities are different, philosophies are different. Uh, for me as a driver, I've learned a lot. Um, I feel like I'm getting more and more comfortable in uncomfortable situations, and I think that's the key to being a great race car driver. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, just trying to find a way to be comfortable being uncomfortable um, and and getting better and better at that, you know. And, and these cars are going to drive poorly. They're going to be on the kind of the edge of uh, control. And, uh, you know, being on that edge and driving hard through that edge has uh, been a good lesson I think I learned the first you know, third of the year and, and trying to apply that to these racetracks to go to a second time is uh, going to be super important to, to show some signs and, and, you know, get up front. Thanks, Harrison. Yep. All right, thanks, General. Let's go to Ashley McCubbin. Hello, Ashley. Hello. Nice to see you, everybody. Um, Harrison, you've got a short track, a road course, and a restricted play track as you try to make the playoffs. How do you feel about your chances? You know, at the end of the day, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's always tough to win at any level. It's really tough to win in the Cup Series. Uh, I feel like we've been making good strides in the past few weeks uh, to have good speed and, and show up to the racetrack fast. And, uh, yeah, I think Daytona is a good opportunity for almost everyone in the field to try and, you know, bust off a win there. Uh, led last there earlier in the year uh, the Daytona 500. So, uh, there's some things that could be, yeah, hey, that, that could be a track for us. I feel like Richmond was one of our better races earlier through the year um, when we compared to our, you know, our, our alliance partners with Team Penske. Uh, you know, the goal is to run as good as those guys do. And, and so, um, you know, that was a race where I felt like we did that. Uh, you know, had a decent run there and, and had some speed and, and showed a lot of speed in the race. Just kind of didn't execute properly on a few things, and that bit us in the butt. But, you know, hey, at the end of the day, um, those are two good ones. I and mean, obviously anything can happen at a road course and, and coming off the top five there. So there's a case you can make for any of them, I guess, right? But at the end of the day, we've just got to go and, and show the speed in practice and in qualifying and in and, and the early par- uh, parts of the race to get that. Uh, so really it's one day at a time and one practice at a time to try and get to that level. And, and, you know, we'll get there eventually. I'm pretty sure of it. And you mentioned the fact that you've been getting stronger and, and making progress. But how would you grade your season to date? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, I think it's definitely been a letdown. Uh, for me personally, I've wanted to come out and, and do a really good job, and, and uh, I feel like I made a lot of mistakes early. Um, some things I feel like I did well early. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what the grade would be. I think um, I haven't really thought a lot about that. I think the biggest thing is just trying to uh, – trying to, build off of every weekend, right? And, and last weekend in Michigan was so tough because uh, just miss it in practice and in qualifying and then get to the race and get crashed early and don't have a chance to really build off of anything. So, 
Um, just trying to get better and better each weekend. And, and uh, you know, if I could give it a grade, I wouldn't give it a good one. I think we've got to run better, and there's no secret about that. And there's no one in our team that believes that what we're doing is enough. So uh, we'll get it done. It's just, uh, it's just a matter of how. And I know we're working hard enough to do it, that's for sure. Thanks for your time today. All right, Ashley, let's go to Trey Downey. Hello, Trey. Hey, Harrison. I want to look a little bit deeper into the next couple weeks after Richmond. Um, going into Watkins Glen, what does that run at the Indy Road course and that top five finish do for your confidence going into Watkins Glen and just as a road racer in general? Yeah, uh, you know, it's cool. I uh, I really worked hard in off season to be a better road racer. I feel like that's been something that I've struggled with in Xfinity, um, you know, trying to run with guys like Austin Cindric and Xfinity Series, those guys are, you know, that, that, that guy's quick on a road course. So learning from him, I feel like it's been good. I've, I've run a lot of races thanks to uh, friends of Ford. I ran a GT4 race earlier this year, um, you know, all the cup road course races and doing a lot of time at home on a simulator and, and in the Ford simulator. Uh, and I feel like that's paid a dividend, um, you know, to getting faster on those and qualifying pretty decent at, at uh, Indy Road Course. They qualified like 12th or 13th or something. So uh, decent qualifying there, decent speed. And, and then if you have that, you can execute a race a lot easier. And things come to you a lot easier, that's for sure. So uh, confidence is higher on those than it has been in the past, but I still know there's, there's work to be done there. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's, that's what's good is, is – you know, you know where and how. It's just about doing it. So um, there's no stone unturned. Okay. So your thoughts about what Harrison Burton has to say? Well, I took away several several things there as I thought about him and his season uh, for that team, the Wood Brothers team. Uh, one key factor is I like it. He is upbeat. He's aware that this has not been – the, the season uh, to start to the season that anybody would want. I think he was a little more critical of himself and his team. The way I look at it and from what I've seen throughout the year, we talked about teams that have the golden good luck horseshoe with them at all times. It seems like they have had the opposite, a bad, I mean, just in the wrong situation, caught up in something else. Um, now, I know he mentioned several times of being fast, unloading fast off the truck. And that puts you in that position where he talked about qualifying. You're starting towards the back and racing in the back half of the Cup Series. Uh, all drivers have talked about a little bit different than racing up front. So they're kind of putting themselves in that position. To compare with that, though, I think about what Rodney Childress, Kevin Harvick's crew chief, said. Everything he knew over the past 20 years as a crew chief and working in the garage has kind of gone out the window. The Wood Brothers... This is what the previous generations of cars have all been similar. There hasn't been a major jump. And I think this was a major change for some of these teams. And I think the Wood Brothers um, really uh, are one of the teams that are struggling to adapt to it. But as you said, as Harrison mentioned, there's been several tracks. They definitely unloaded fast, had some good runs. Again, something just go wrong. With that, and, you know, he mentioned a, a driver mistake or miscues. There's always that, uh, especially as a rookie, so understand that. But I think he's a lot better than what his points position is showing right now. Uh, just some really, really bad luck. Yeah, it, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
caught up in something that you had nothing to do with, um, <clears throat> and that's always unfortunate. What I liked is that he, they asked him about uh, the next three racetracks. He felt like he ran good at Richmond before, and he gets a chance now to go to a track that he's been at before in this car and be able to race, and I think he's looking forward to that. <clears throat> but and he, he pays for any of the next three racetracks uh, uh, when you talk about uh, Richmond, Watkins Glen, or Daytona. He can make a case for all of them, but he also noted that you got to get back to the basics, really. Uh, <clears throat> you're having the speed. You mentioned that. But really uh, being able to do a good job uh, at uh, what you do when you, when you get into the car, whether it's in practice or qualifying or even the early part of the race, uh, just kind of getting uh, building a good foundation off of all of that and taking it one day at a time because that's all he can really do. Uh, this is his first season in the Cup Series, and it takes a while. Uh, it's a big adjustment from the Xfinity Series to the Cup Series, and it is a one-day-at-a-time thing, and you're really competing against yourself when it comes to uh, showing improvements and making strides at getting better. And I think as he sees some of these tracks um, <clears throat> a second time, or they mentioned too, you know, we raced at the road courses at Indy and uh, Sonoma. Uh, how can you take some of that <clears throat> into Watkins Glen this coming weekend? Uh, so uh, he he seems like he can make a case for any track that he's going to. He's going to do everything he can to to. Uh, put forth his best effort, but it does take time uh, for these guys to make that adjustment. And then you mentioned uh, there's also the adjustment of the team itself uh, to the next-gen car. This is all new for everybody. Well, and there, and there are a couple other things I want to mention. I know we're coming up a little short on time here, but one, I think he certainly wouldn't have been hurt by another year in the Xfinity Series. We knew Austin Sindrick was moving up to Team Penske. We kind of anticipated with the announcement of Brad Keselowski moving on over to RFK, it would be Matt DiBenedetto either moving into the two and Sindrick going into the 21. A late decision was made that Sindrick was going to go into the two, but then Matt DiBenedetto coming out of the 21 um, and Harrison Burton coming in wasn't quite as short notice as what we've seen some of the others in the past. I, I think of Daniel Suarez with Carl Edwards, but it was kind of a short term, a short notice thing. So I think that plays into it. Uh, and what will really will tell the story here is, as you mentioned, going to these tracks a second time, what they have learned and improved upon from the first time, the tracks they went to with the, the first time with this new next gen car, the new car, what they have learned and improved upon um, certainly always is a benefactor and will tell the story if they're going in the right direction. If things continue the way they've been, um, if they still think they're the ones making mistakes and putting themselves in that position, then we've got a problem. But if we see that improvement, even if it is only to regularly finishing tents uh, up in that area, we see the improvement, that is at least a good thing moving in the right direction. Exactly, and, and just a reminder, it's not just what Harrison Burton is learning, but what his team is learning about this next-gen car as well, because they're on a learning curve this season as well. And I think that makes it, in some cases, and in Harrison, Harrison Burton is one of those cases, sometimes if, if the team uh, 
<laughs> is is not quite on top of that learning curve, uh, it makes it harder for a brand-new driver to be on top of his game as well. So I think as all of that works itself out, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of good things from Harrison Burton. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and um, uh, get into the Camping World Truck Series. They are back on track this weekend uh, at Richmond Raceway. The Worldwide Express 250 for Carrier Appreciation is on Saturday, August the 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The purse for this race is $744,951. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. Radio coverage is on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 187.5 miles over 250 laps. The first two stages are 70 laps each, with the first stage ending on lap 70, second stage on lap 140, and the final stage is 110 laps, ending on lap 250. So uh, what do we have here for the truck series, uh, Jay? Because I'm really looking forward to seeing them back on the track. <clears throat> Most certainly. As mentioned, it's round two of the playoffs. That's exciting. But we just talked to a rookie in the Cup Series. Take a look at the Snoko Rookie of the Year for the Camping World Truck Series. you got Kyle Busch Motorsports, Corey Heim. He posted a fifth-place finish two weeks ago at Indianapolis. And in the process, he opened up his Camping World Truck Series Rookie of the Year standing lead over second-place Lawless Allen to now 62 points. Uh, for most of the season, Heim has been running a part-time schedule, but has announced he will be in the 51 truck now for the rest of the season in his pursuit, which he's got locked up, or good control of anyway, that Rookie of the Year honors, as well as the Owner's Championship. And all four rookies entered this weekend uh, at Richmond will be making their NASCAR Camping World Truck Series debut at the track. So that's an interesting factor there. We talked about second time round. They're all making their first start. Exactly. Exactly. There's also the owner's playoff update. Now, none of the current trucks in the Camping World Truck Series owner's playoff won two weeks ago at Indianapolis. Therefore, the front row motorsports number 38 Ford still leads the postseason standings by 14 points over Thorsport Racing's number 99 Toyota and up 50 points over the round of eight cut line. At the other end of the standings along the round of eight cut line, it's Nice Motorsports number 42 Chevrolet. They're in the eighth and final transfer spot on points, and they're up seven points over Thor Sport Racing's number 98 team, who sits in ninth, and 12 points up on Team DGR's number 17 Ford. Now, again, that is the owner's playoff update, not the driver's update. I know that can be confusing, especially for maybe a casual fan. Uh, I myself sometimes uh, get a little confused with it, but they are two separate point systems there. Okay. So what about now what the are the playoff, clinch scenarios? Yeah, the playoff clinch scenarios at Richmond Raceway, race number two uh, with one of the three races in this round in the books, we'll look at the 10-driver field and where they sit. Now, Grant Enfinger picking up the victory. He has already clinched his spot in the eight-driver field of the next round. Uh, 
clinching via points. If there's a repeat winner um, by Enfinger or a win by a driver who cannot advance to the next round, the following drivers had clinched by being 56 points above the seventh winless driver in the standings. And the same points requirement, so it'd be hold true if a new win comes from among Zane Smith, Ben Rhodes, Stuart Friesen, John Hunter Nemechek, Chandler Smith, or Ty Majeski. And every one of those drivers mentioned needs some help. There isn't a big enough points gap yet where anybody can do that. Um, same thing goes here with uh, if there's a new winner from Carson Hosevar or another winless driver lower in the standings but still eligible to advance to the next round, it'd be 56 points above the sixth winless driver. And there you got Zane Smith, Ben Rhodes, Stuart Friesen, John Hunter Nemechek, or Chandler Smith, but all needing help. And as is the, the entourage or adage, win in the air in, you move on. The, all drivers uh, listed, uh, the, the only two we hadn't talked about so far, Matt Kraft and Christian Eckes, as they're below the cut line, um, can move on with a victory. So victory is always a cure everything. Yeah, let's talk about those that are on the outside looking in. You just mentioned it. Uh, Thor Sport Racing teammates, Crafton and Eckes, they need to bounce back. So after the race at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, uh, the Thor Sport teammates, Matt Crafton and Christian Eckes, find themselves below that truck series round of eight cut line, and they just have two races in order to turn their postseason runs around. Now, two weeks ago, three-time series champion Matt Crafton rallied to a ninth-place finish at Indianapolis and left that uh, .686-mile track just seven points back from the round of eight cut line. Crafton is the only driver in series history to participate in every one of the series playoffs since its inception in 2016. He's earned a spot in the round of eight in all six previous postseason appearances. Crafton leads all the active drivers and starts at Richmond with seven, and he has managed to produce one top five, two top tens, and uh, at that three-quarter mile track, including a runner-up finish there in 2020. Unlike the expensive uh, extensive playoff experience that Crafton has, though. There's his Thor Sport racing teammate, Christian Eckes. Uh, he's just in his second appearance in the Truck Series playoffs and is hoping to build on his postseason debut uh, from 2020. Uh, in, last, in that season, he was eliminated in the round of 10. Eckes finished 16th at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park and has the same points total as Crafton at 2,029 points. But Crafton owns the tiebreaker because of his ninth-place finish at the Indy uh, track. Now, Eckes is right now seven points behind Carson Hosevar, who sits in the eighth and final transfer spot to the round of eight on points. So he's looking to close that gap this weekend at Richmond, and Eckes makes his series track debut at Richmond uh, in 2020, uh, in that race, he started third, but he finished 18th. So he's really got to do better than that uh, for this season. Uh, and a win would go a long way to helping his season out for both of those drivers. Well, and win a, 
win aside, you're talking some of the most consistent drivers, Matt Crafton overall, and I think this year Carson Hosevar has been pretty solid. So it'll be interesting to watch that points battle if it doesn't get shuffled up. Speaking mm-hmm. of getting shuffled up, they did get shuffled up after Indianapolis. We had GMS Racing's Grant Enfinger entered the playoff opener two weeks ago as the ninth seed, and now on the heels of his big win at Indianapolis, finds himself as the only driver that has clinched a spot into the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series round of eight. With the playoff standing shuffled like a deck of cards, if you will, nine other drivers now still vying to secure that spot in the next round of the playoffs as the series prepares for Richmond Raceway's Worldwide Express 250 uh, for carrier appreciation coming up here on Saturday, August 13th. Again, that'll be at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on FS1, MRN, and Sirius XM Radio. Now, the favorite to join Infinger in the next round in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoffs has to be the 2022 regular season champion, Zane Smith. He's coming into the playoffs as the number one seed and regular series champion, driver of the number 38 front row motorsports Ford, brought with him 37 playoff points, and after his third place finish at Indianapolis, he is the first driver without a win in the playoff outlook standings, up 50 points on a round of eight cut line. And it's at 2,079. Now Smith has made two series starts at Richmond, posting an average finish of 12 points. Finishing runner-up to Enfinger at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, there was Thor Sports Racing's Ben Rhodes. He's the 2021 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series champion. He looks poised to go after his second title this season after he carries 2,065 points into Richmond next weekend. This weekend, sorry. Uh, Rhodes sits third in the playoff look, outlook. He is 36 points above the cut line and just 14 points back from Zane Smith in the uh, point standings lead. Rhodes has made two starts at Richmond, posting one top five and two top tens. An average finish at the .75 mile track is five. Halmar, or Halmar, ugh, sorry, let me try that again. Halmar Friesen Racing, Stuart Friesen, is currently fourth in the outlook standings. Uh, he finished fourth at Indianapolis, up 28 points on the round of eight cut line. Now, Friesen has earned a spot in the playoffs three times in his career, and all three appearances advanced to the round of eight, coming in 2018, 19, and 21. Friesen has made two starts at Richmond with a one top five. Average finish at the .75 mile track, 11.5. We've got teammates, Kyle Busch Motorsports teammates, John Hunter Nemechek and Chandler Smith. They're tied in the playoff standings following Indianapolis. Nemechek holding the tiebreaker with the best finish of 10th place run at Indianapolis to Smith's 18th. Both drivers currently 24 points up on the round of eight cut line. At Richmond, Nemechek is the most recent winner at the track and looked to defend his last season's win. And Smith has also run well at Richmond, though, making two series starts at the 0.75-mile facility, posting one top five finish and an average overall of 8.0. The two drivers occupying the last two spots that make the move into the round of eight are Ty Majeski and Carson Hosevar. Majeski has a very well-rounded run at Indianapolis, involved a stage win and an eighth-place outing. 
Hosevar, while running up near the front for most of the night, had a late incident, though, with the 91 truck of Colby Howard, relegated him to a 21st place finish. Majeski heads into Richmond up 19 points on the cut line, and he'll have his work cut out for him, though, in making his Camping World Truck Series debut at Richmond, uh, Richmond Raceway. Now, Nice Motorsports' Carson Hosevar, however, only has a seven-point lead on ninth in the playoff standings, which should be making the young driver even more nervous is that with two races to go, if one of the drivers below him were to win, he would be the one bounced below the round of eight cut line and that final transfer spot on points. So Josevar will look to earn as many points as possible this weekend at Richmond. The Michigan native has made two series starts. His average finish, 17.0. Okay. I'm going to, uh, kind of, we've kind of talked about it, that GMS Racing's Grant Tenfinger has jumped out front, uh, and he did that with a victory in the playoff opener out at Indianapolis Raceways Park. Uh, <clears throat> so the first uh, race out at that track in 11 years, of course, uh, did not disappoint. Um, he's from Fair Hope, Alabama, and he's hoping to carry his postseason momentum into Richmond this weekend uh, where he can focus on racking up playoff points as he's the only driver uh, right now that's locked into that round of eight. So Enfinger, um, uh, as the only driver that's locked in, uh, will also look to keep the championship four round uh, streak alive as they have had at least one driver earn a spot in the championship four in each of the last seven seasons since the playoff format was introduced in 2016. That's GMS Racing uh, that's hoping to keep that streak alive. But uh, really great for Grant Infinger there. Uh, we only have a couple minutes here, so I'm going to kind of uh, summarize this next segment as well. Uh, it's going to be a showdown at Richmond Raceway uh, this weekend uh, as uh, the second of three events in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, so we'll see what happens. We know that Grant Infinger has secured his spot, but there are nine drivers finding buying for those last seven spots uh, with just two races at Richmond and Kansas. So next week, or their next race at Kansas, will be their elimination race where two drivers will be uh, taken out of the mix for the round, next round of eight. <clears throat> so uh, uh, Richmond's hosted 13 truck series races. Uh, they have nine different pole winners, ten different race winners, uh, and uh, uh, Tony Stewart and Jack Sprague lead the Camping World Truck Series in wins. Uh, they both have two. Uh, this weekend will be just the third time that the Truck Series has raced at Richmond after taking a 15-year hiatus from 2005 to 19. So the past two Richmond races uh, in 20 and 21 have been won by two current playoff drivers, Grant Infinger in 2020 and Cowbush Motorsports' John Hunter Nemechek in 2021. So you've got to think that those two drivers have a little bit of an advantage. Uh, so uh, 
we'll look to see if uh, they can do it again this weekend out at Richmond. Now, the Xfinity Series, they are on break this week. They are not racing, but again, their next race uh, will be coming up, I believe, next weekend at Watkins Glen, and that is correct. It's the NASCAR Xfinity Series at the Glen 200 this on Saturday, August the 20th. Not this weekend, but next weekend. That should start at about 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, will be televised on USA with pre-race coverage starting at 2.30 and radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. But we do have a few updates here that we can uh, keep you up to date with what's happening in the Xfinity Series here in the meantime. So we'll start with uh, Marco Andretti. Yeah, Marco Andretti is going to make his Xfinity Series debut at the Charlotte Roval. He's a former full-time NTT IndyCar Series driver. Marco Andretti, he'll be joining Big Machine Racing in the number 48 Chevrolet on October 8th to make his Xfinity Series debut at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval. Although an IndyCar driver, Andretti has never been too far from the NASCAR as he is the grandson of the 1967 Daytona 500 winner, Mario Andretti. And we've seen him at the SRX. So we know he can run these short tracks. Uh, We'll see how he does on this road course. Yeah, that's going to be fun to watch. Also, there was a big announcement this week. Sam Mayer is coming back to Junior Motorsports for the 2023 season. Uh, 19-year-old Mayer hails from Franklin, Wisconsin, uh, and he's going to be back in his familiar number one Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports in 2023 for his third season with the organization. Mayer's career with JRM started in their late model program, and last season he continued with a part-time Xfinity Series schedule with the team, tallying one top five, six top tens in his 18 starts. This year he's posted eight top fives and 11 top tens so far. So uh, really good to hear that Sam Mayer is going to be back in that number one. Well, and I think we have that on our list of hot topics, so we'll talk about that a little bit more here in about 30 minutes. Now, some drivers, though, are all gas and no brakes. And the Xfinity Series mentioned may be off this weekend, but that doesn't mean all drivers are taking a break. The NASCAR Xfinity Series championship contenders Noah Gregson and Landon Castle will be heading this weekend to Richmond Raceway is they're going to compete in the NASCAR Cup Series Federated Auto Parts 400 on Sunday, August 14th. That race will be at 3 p.m. Eastern, covered on USA Network, NBC Sports app, MRN, or SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. Gregson, he'll be behind the wheel of the number 16 college racing Chevrolet for the eighth time this season. Although this will be his first start at Richmond Raceway in the Cup Series, He's had seven starts at the track in the Xfinity Series, posting one win, which came in 2021, three top fives and five top tens. Another big news and hot topic discussion, Gregson, a Las Vegas native, announced this week he'll be running full-time in the Cup Series in 2023 with Petty GMS Motorsports. Now, Castle, he'll be making his seventh Cup Series start of the season in the number 77 
Spire Motorsport Chevrolet. Uh, he ran in the Cup Series at Richmond Raceway earlier this season and finished 32nd. Castle has a total of 20 Cup Series starts at the .75-mile Richmond track, best finish of 19th. Yeah, that's uh, another hot topic we'll be talking about is uh, Noah Gregson uh, going to GMS Petty Racing next year. Uh, but we have some regular season rumble to talk about as well. 21 down and five more races to go here for the Xfinity Series. So time is winding down for those drivers that are buying for their spot in the playoffs, and that will kick off at Texas Motor Speedway on Saturday, September the 24th. Now, with five races left in the regular season, things are sure to heat up in the Xfinity Series as they prepare for the Watkins Glen race, the fifth of six road course events this year. Now, we're going to take a look at the clinch scenarios heading into Watkins Glen, uh, and six drivers have already clinched their spot into that 12-driver field. Uh, for the playoffs, including A.J. Allmendinger, Justin Algauer, Ty Gibbs, Noah Gregson, Josh Berry, and Austin Hill. Now, uh, there's some other drivers. Brandon Jones uh, can clinch regardless of what his finish is uh, this week, so that should be interesting. Uh, and the, also, uh, let's see, he can win, uh, let's see, he can clinch on previous wins with a win by a driver who has previously won, but he can also clinch on previous wins with a win by a driver who is currently winless. So uh, that's good news for Brandon Jones. Uh, Brandon Jones uh, can also clinch with a win. <laughs> so the following drivers can also clinch with a win. That would be Riley Erbst, uh, Sam Mayer, Daniel Hemrick, Landon Castle, and Ryan Sieg. So uh, a win and you're in is uh, what goes here. Stuart Haas Racing's Riley Herbst is right now at 583 points, and Junior Motorsports' Sam Mayer at 578. So they're very close. They're the highest-ranked drivers without a win, and they've been pretty much neck-and-neck in the point standings for several weeks. Uh, They'll both be pushing to post their first Xfinity Series career win when they head to Watkins Glen this week. Herbst has been given the Glen uh, one go. That was in 2021 where he posted a 13th place finish. He didn't have the performance he was hoping for on road courses in the first part of the season, but he's done quite well in the last two at Road America and Indianapolis. Uh, He posted top ten finishes at both of those tracks. Like Earps, Myers made one start at Watkins Glen where he raced his way to a top 10 finish, uh, which was 10th, after starting from the 23rd spot. Uh, this season on road courses, he's posted one top five and two top 10s. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch what happens with these guys as uh, they these next five races will wind down. Certainly is, and one that we got to watch for sure. Uh, might pick up a hobby. Might need to upgrade his trophy case. And that's Joe Gibbs Racing's Ty Gibbs. He raced his way to Victory Lane last weekend at Michigan International Speedway to post his series-leading fifth win of the season, surpassing his impressive four Xfinity Series wins in 18 starts from the 2021 season 
and bringing his career total to an impressive nine wins in 39 starts, which is a winning percentage of 23%. Wynn marked his first uh, at Michigan International Speedway in the NASCAR Xfinity Series after posting a 13-place finish there in his first start at the track last year. Although his first Michigan win in the Xfinity Series, his first Michigan win in the Xfinity Series, Gibbs is no stranger to winning at the two-mile track as he had posted the win last year in the Arca Menard Series. With an off week in the Xfinity Series, the 19-year-old Gibbs uh, will be preparing to head to a track next weekend that holds very fond memories for him, and that's Watkins Glen International. His first and only start at the New York Road Course last year marked his third win of the Xfinity Series career and second on a road course. His first came at the... uh, Daytona road course in his series debut back in 2021. Now, if Gibbs snags the win at the Glen next weekend, he'll become the fifth driver to post back-to-back victories at the track, joining Terry Labonte, who did it in 94, 95, 96, Ron Fellows, who did it in 2000, 2001, Marcus Ambrose tripled. He went in 2008, 9, and 10, and then Joey Logano in 2015 and 16. In four starts on road courses this season thus far, he's posted one win, which came at Road America, and three top tens. And I don't know if we have this on our um, he, He's going to be in at number 45. There you go. For what, fourth race in a row now? Yeah, he's going to be in the number 45 this weekend in the NASCAR Cup Series. Kurt Busch is still out. Uh, and uh, so Ty Gibbs gets another opportunity to get behind the wheel of that number 45 at Richmond. So that's going to be uh, – he's done so well so far, so I can't wait to see what he does this weekend. Certainly will okay. be interesting, and we will talk about it as far as an update on uh, Kurt Bush. I think, is how it was listed under our hot topics. Correct, correct. Okay, now the NASCAR Cup Series is racing this weekend. They'll be racing that Federated Auto Parts 400 at Richmond Raceway on Sunday, August the 14th, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. The purse for this race, $7,144,995. USA will carry the pre-race uh, start their pre-race coverage at 2 p.m. Eastern, along with MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 300 miles over 400 laps. Uh, the first stage ends on lap 70. The second stage ends on lap 230, while the last stage ends on lap 400. So uh, quite the breakdown there for <laughs> the Cup Series and their stage breaks. So we've got uh, some things to talk about here in the Cup Series as well. Well, we talked about the importance of winning. Uh, It's a matter of who is the next to end a winless streak. After Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick snapped a 65-race winless streak last weekend at Michigan, everybody in the garage has got to think uh, they have a chance to win this season. So who else is facing that mounting uh, winless streak that they'd like to see end? And take a, top, a look at the top 10 longest active win streaks by drivers that have previously won in the NASCAR Cup Series, and they're in descending order. 
Chris Busher uh, is sitting at 218 races since his last win. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is at 186. Justin Haley at 113. Eric Jones is over 100 at 103. Then we get down to Cole Custer at 78 races. Austin Dillon is right there at 77. Michael McDowell's uh, Daytona 500 winner two years ago uh, is up to 58 races. Brad Keselowski sitting on 49. Eric Almirola in his final full-time year uh, sitting at 37. And Ryan Blaney is at 33 races. Now, of the group listed trying to end that winless streak, only RFK's racing's Brad Keselowski has won at Richmond Raceway before, and that came in 2014 and 2020. I'm a little surprised they didn't mention uh, Truex in there. We'll have to see yeah, what they mean. And he might be right there with Blaney, because Blaney's is right at 33. I think Truex's is somewhere right at that, coming up on a year. Yeah, probably. Okay, now, Chase Elliott uh, can clinch the regular season season championship uh, at Richmond. So uh, he hails, of course, from Hendrick Motorsports, and right now is the current points uh, standings leader. He can clinch that uh, regular season championship presented by Coca-Cola this weekend if he can earn 58 points out at Richmond. Now, if Elliott wins the regular season championship this season, he becomes the fifth different winner to accomplish that feat since the award was created in 2017. He would join Kyle Larson, who won in 2021, Kevin Harvick in 2020, Kyle Busch in 19 and 18, and Martin Truex Jr. in 2017. Now, the regular season championship uh, presented by Coca-Cola not only awards the winning driver with a prestigious trophy, but also an additional 15 playoff points, uh, which is probably uh, really uh, well uh, everybody covets right now. That's equivalent to winning three races to take into the postseason. So Elliott right now leads the series playoff points with 25. So if he wins the regular season title, his playoff point total will balloon to 40 points. That's the most playoff points a driver has taken into the postseason uh, since Kevin Harvick uh, did it in 2020 when he had 57. So uh, close but not quite to beat Kevin Harvick, but still a lot of points to take into the postseason. I think there's a couple of things we might talk about later in Hot Topics. We'll see what kind of time we got with the topics we got. But there's some interesting things there to talk about. Yes, some indeed. Interesting things to talk about. We look at some uh, driver-to-driver matchups uh, that we do each and every week that fans can bet on if you're a betting person heading into this weekend's event. I'm going to scroll down. I'll pick the first one. And it involves Chase Elliott against Christopher Bell. Now, Chase Elliott finished outside the top ten for the second week in a row after finishing first or second in five straight races. Christopher Bell was contending for the race win before contact with Ross Chastain damaged his car and did his chance of winning at Michigan. Now, both of these drivers have shown great speed on the short flat tracks like Richmond, 
They've combined for 14 top fives and five wins this season. Now, Elliott was bested by Bell earlier this season at Richmond, though, with Bell taking home the sixth-place finish to Elliott's 14. Okay, our next matchup is Ryan Blaney versus Joey Logano. Teammates, time to pick your favorite of the two Team Penske drivers, Blaney or Logano. Another top five finish, top five finish this last weekend for Blaney kept his consistent season going. Uh, he was pole sitter at Richmond earlier this year, so Blaney should feel pretty confident in his ability to get to victory lane for the first time this Sunday. Now, with 15 winners this season, it's becoming increasingly likely that Blaney may need a win in order to get into the playoffs this season. His Team Penske counterpart, Joey Logano, has had four top fives in his last six races at Richmond, and he owns a 105.6 driver rating. Uh, Logano finished fourth at Michigan, so the Penske Fords are both coming off some recent momentum. We'll see if they can take that into Richmond with them. Well, that was Ford teammates. Let's talk about Toyota teammates. Now, Kyle Busch versus Martin Truex Jr. So on tap for this weekend, a pair of Joe Gibbs Racing teammates. Kyle Busch is a pre-race favorite as the green flag waved to start the race Sunday at Michigan. But his day ended early as he got caught up in a big wreck in the first stage of the race. And Truex finished sixth on the day. But with a 15th new winner this year, his path, Truex, to the playoffs got more difficult. Truex heads to one of his best tracks where he has three wins in his last six races. He also owns the best driver rating in the field at Richmond with a 127.5. Now, if there's any track where Truex can get his first win of the season, Richmond might be his best bet. His JGR teammate, Kyle Busch, he'll have his own motivation, though, after his ninth straight finish outside of the top ten. Okay, Motiv- our next mo- stop. Motivated Kyle Busch can be dangerous. <laughs> it can definitely be, but I think Truex is going to be pretty motivated as well. Uh, the next uh, uh, matchup that we have here was uh, the fan vote. That's Kevin Harvick versus Denny Hamlin. Harvick's win last week at Michigan was his first in his last 65 races. Uh, so Harvick used a late restart to get ahead of the field and never looked back, winning by more than three seconds over Bubba Wallace. Denny Hamlin may have had the fastest car all day, but a late pit road penalty derailed his chances at a win. Still, he drove through the field and finished third, showcasing just how good his car actually was. This matchup features two drivers who finished first and second in the first race at Richmond earlier this year. So these two should bring some fireworks coming into Sunday. I know uh, Denny always loves winning at Richmond. That's considered a home track for him. Most certainly is. And speaking of that, the honorary pace car at Richmond is going to be Chase Young. Richmond Raceway announced last weekend that the Washington Comedy Year star Defensive end Chase Young will lead the field as the honorary pace car to start the Federated Auto Parts 400. We don't have to repeat all of that. All right. Uh, Time and date. Okay. 
Uh, Chase Young is currently the defensive end for the NFL's Washington Commanders. I said Commanders. I'm sorry, that's Commanders um, star. Uh, following his debut last season, Young was named the 2020 NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. Okay. Then we have uh, GMS Petty. Uh, I should say Petty GMS announcing that Gregson will drive that number 42 car in 2023. So we mentioned it a little bit earlier this week. Petty GMS announced that the Las Vegas negative and current full-time Xfinity Series driver, Noah Gregson, is piloting the number 42 Petty GMS Chevrolet for next season. Gregson will be replacing Ty Dillon, who right now drives the 42. So Gregson will become the 47th different driver to race in the Cup Series in the number 42 car. He'll join drivers like NASCAR Hall of Famer Lee Petty, Kyle Petty, Jamie McMurray, Juan Pablo Montoya, and Kyle Larson. Gregson has made nine Cup Series starts in his career, one for Beard Motorsports and eight for his current team, Colleague Motorsports. His best finish in the Cup Series, that was an 18th place finish at Kansas earlier this year. Gregson will be in the number 16 for Colleague Racing this weekend at Richmond. Gregson is also currently competing for a championship in the Xfinity Series. That's with Junior Motorsports, and right now he's ranked fourth in points after posting three wins. He also has 11 top fives, 15 top tens in his 21 starts this year. Getting into other news, NASCAR yeah, uh, has announced. Yeah, I meant to get this one up on our on our hot topics, but uh, they've announced groundbreaking for a state of the art productions facility. NASCAR announced this weekend that construction will begin on a brand-new state-of-the-art productions facility later this summer. The 58,000-square-foot facility will be built on the land adjacent to the NASCAR R&D Center in Concord, North Carolina. The new facility will house approximately 125 NASCAR productions and MRN, MRN employees with further room to expand operations in the future. NASCAR will continue to have a significant presence in that NAS- uptown Charlotte area with a large contingent of employees remaining in 555 South, which was formerly known as NASCAR Plaza, at least for the foreseeable future. Now, they're gonna, NASCAR is going to make significant investments in production's infrastructure and technology to deliver first-class live event production and content to NASCAR's fans and industry partners. This commitment furthers NASCAR's mission of providing fans with enhanced content uh, that brings them closer to the sport. The new location is strategically located next to the NASCAR R&D Center, and it will be more closely situated to the majority of NASCAR team operations. The facility will also offer more space and be far more efficient resource for the industry at large. Although it's still in the early stages of development, the new facility is expected to be fully operational operational by the start of the 2024 season. We'll conduct a ceremonial groundbreaking event, though, here on Wednesday, August 31st. Yes, indeed. That sounds really, really good. 
Okay, Hamlin looks to pull off Rich, uh, Richmond's sweep this weekend. As I mentioned earlier, he loves to win here. Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin is from Chesterfield, Virginia, so he's going to look to win this weekend's uh, Federated Auto Parts 400 to become the 12th different driver all time and just the third active driver to win consecutive races at the three-quarter mile track. And what would make the achievement even more special is to do it at his home track. Uh, There have been 11 different winners in the Cup Series that have composted consecutive wins at Richmond. Uh, Kyle Busch and Martin Truex are the only active drivers to accomplish that feat. Uh, Kyle Busch did it in 2018, and Martin Truex, uh, had a sweep in 2019. Now, Hamlin won at Rich- Richmond earlier this season. He took the checkered flag after passing William Byron for the lead with just five laps to go. In total, the 41-year-old has made 31 starts at Richmond. He's put up three poles, four wins in 9, 10, 16, and 22, 16 top fives and 20 top tens. His average finish is at 8.516. That's third best among active drivers. We'll see if he can do it this weekend. Kind of hit on this earlier. Richmond offers a decent opportunity for Truex to catch Blaney. Of the three remaining tracks on the NASCAR Cup Series regular season schedule, this weekend's Richmond Raceway offers the best opportunity for Joe Gibbs Racing's Martin Truex to get his first win of the 2022 season. He's looking to snap here to go a 31-race winless streak and solidify his spot in the playoffs uh, this weekend as Truex heads to Richmond as the winningest driver at the .75-mile track among the competitors that haven't won yet this season. He's got three victories there, which was a 2019 sweep, and again in 2021. Truex is currently riding a streak of seven consecutive seasons of making the playoffs from 2015 to 2021. And this year, he's put up three top fives and ten top tens and currently resides in the first position outside the postseason cutoff, trailing Ryan Blaney by 19 points. So don't be surprised, even if Truex doesn't win this weekend, that at least he closes that points gap on Blaney. In 32 starts at Richmond, Truex has amassed three wins, nine top fives, and 15 top tens. On the other hand, Team Penske's Ryan Blaney, he's made 12 starts at Richmond, posting just two top tens. Truex also betters him an average finish at the track with a 16.0 to Blaney's 20.9. Interesting. Okay, I'm going to skip the clinch scenarios but get to the regular season roundup. There's three to go and the playoff picture starts to take shape. Uh, With a big win last weekend at Michigan, uh, SHR's Kevin Harvick has shaken up the Cup Series playoff standings uh, for the regular season. The victory makes Harvick the 15th different driver in 23 races this season, uh, a Cup Series record tying the 2003 and 2011 seasons for the series' most different winners in the first 23 races of the year. With 15 drivers already earning their spot in the playoffs, that leaves Team Penske's Ryan Blaney in 16th and final available transfer spot on points, up only 19 points on Joe Gibbs Racing's Martin Truex Jr., who sits in 17th. That's the first spot outside the postseason cutoff, 
as the series heads into Richmond this weekend. At this point, uh, Truex is the only driver within striking distance of Blaney in the point standings. The next closest in the playoff outlook standings is PF's Petty GMS Motorsports driver Eric Jones in 18th, 190 points behind Blaney. As a result, winning one of the next three races will be the only way the majority of drivers uh, still vying for the postseason will have a chance to get in. Now, looking ahead to those three races, uh, nine of the 15 winless drivers still eligible to make the playoffs have won at least one race at the upcoming three venues, led by Martin Truex, who's won at both Richmond and Watkins Glen. Brad Keselowski's won at Richmond and Daytona. Uh, And uh, so they both have wins at two of those three facilities. So uh, it is going to be interesting to see if uh, Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex can secure their spot with a win or if we will see somebody even below them come up with a win at one of those three tracks. Uh, If that happens, Ryan Blaney gets bounced out. Uh, So that's how important these next uh, wins are. Okay, we're going to have to kind of move on. And that itself is another whole, I was going to say, that itself is another whole uh, hot topic. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. Uh, Who do you think is going to win first, Ryan Blaney or Martin Truex? Uh, based on this weekend, yeah, based on this weekend, the track, I, Richmond, I would have to say Truex. I think he uh, he does, and I think we're going to have a whole ne- whole other set of week uh, next week of hot topics and what's going on with the playoffs because it could lead to some other scenarios. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of encouraged by the fact that he's also won at Watkins Glen because uh, I figure if he doesn't win this weekend, he's got another chance at WGI next week. But uh, I'd like to see him get that win at Richmond. So we'll see what happens. We are now at the top of the hour, and that means it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, we do have one person here already. I believe it's Tommy. Is that you, Tommy? Yes, ma'am. Hey, how are you? Thanks for uh, having me back. Glad to be back. Well, we're glad to have you here. We missed you. Okay, I know also joining us uh, tonight will be Andy Lasky, unless he sent me a message that I haven't looked at yet. Uh, Let me check here real quick. Uh, But, yeah, it seems like Andy should be here tonight. Sometimes he's just getting home from work, so it might take him a minute or two to show up. Uh, So with that, Tommy, I think I'm going to let you Pick the first hot topic here tonight, and uh, hopefully by the time we go through uh, Jay and myself, he'll be here. Okay, so let's go with um, let's go with uh, Noah Gregson to the uh, 42 car at GMS uh, next year. Okay, that's a good one. We've been talking a little bit about that. Uh, Jay, your thoughts about Noah Gregson going to Petty GMS for 2023? Well, as I think Mike put it, it wasn't necessarily a a foregone conclusion, but there was a lot of talk about it in the last couple weeks specifically, so it wasn't a huge shock. Uh, They've made the decision. They were parting ways with Ty Dillon, so we knew they were looking to fill that seat. 
and Noah Gregson's name is the one that came up most regularly. Now, I know Mike and I disagree on this. I feel that Noah Gregson has earned um, a spot to, to run in the Cup Series. I think he's got the talent. Whether or not he meshes with that team was kind of an interesting debate uh, that even involved Kyle Petty. Uh, if he could do things the Petty way, I think, is, is what the discussion was on uh, dialed in with Claire B. Lang and Kyle Petty. So that was kind of interesting. But I think he's shown the talent. I do think he is one that maybe we see not come out the gate and light the world on fire, especially, and it's not to bag on the team, but Petty GMS is in that building process. We've seen it with Eric Jones, as well as Ty Dillon getting uh, good runs there at the Clash early in the year. So we got to evaluate it based on that, and we'll see what he brings to the table as far as helping elevate that team. And I got some other things to talk about on the second time round as far as it goes back to college racing, but I'll save that. And we'll, I don't know if Andy's here yet or not. He's here. So, Andy, we're talking about Noah Gregson and the announcement that he'll be racing in the number 42 at Petty GMS Racing next season. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? And before we get into that, first of all, welcome. We're happy to have you back again. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for uh, having me on. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting move for sure. I don't think it comes as a huge surprise. It was widely rumored that he would be in that car. Um, you know, and obviously the team saw value in obtaining Noah for next year. Um, you know, they they had Ty Dillon in the car and um, basically you only gave him really half a season before they made a decision to move on in a new direction. Um, it'll be interesting to see how things go. Obviously, the Cup Series is uh, completely different, you know, than the Xfinity Series. I think Noah's done pretty well in the Xfinity Series, um, especially the last couple of years. Is he Cup ready yet? Hard to say. I, I think we'll just have to wait and see how next year goes. Um, you know, but it's a completely different ball game, and he's with a team that, you know, is still, as Jay alluded to, as I as I signed on here. You know, they're still trying to figure things out, and they're still growing. So. Um, probably going to be a lot more pain i think than than triumph next year but you know that's just the way the cup series is and you know but but noah's a you know he's up and coming and i think that it was inevitable he was going to get a chance to go cup series racing at some point and now he's gotten that chance so we'll see what he does but um you know certainly i think there's a lot of work to do um before we can talk about them uh winning races and championships Okay. Well, I was kind of um, uh, uh, liking this announcement today because I started thinking about the driver that he's going to be matched up with, and that is Eric Jones. Eric is kind of more of a mild-mannered driver uh, and very skilled. Uh, He's done a lot at GMS, uh, Petty Petty GMS Racing, uh, and I think it's going to be a good matchup with the fiery Noah Gregson. I think that maybe a little bit of each other will rub off on each other, and it might be a good matchup between those two because I think they both have a lot that they can offer to each other, not to mention working with somebody like the king of NASCAR, Richard Petty, uh, and and having the influence of, of uh, Richard Petty. Uh, I've always credited the whole thing of um, – 
NASCAR has a tradition that I think started with Richard Petty of really uh, being available for fans uh, for signing autographs and making appearances and everything else. And I think that culture within NASCAR is unique to any other sport. Uh, But uh, the King Richard Petty brings so much uh, to that organization, and I think it's going to be hopefully a good matchup with Noah Gregson. Uh, And, again, I think it's something that kind of will help him and that organization as well. I think it's going to be very reciprocal. Uh, there's going to be things that Noah's going to bring to to uh, the organization, but there's also going to be things that the organization can bring to him. Um, <clears throat> also, um, I just had it and I lost it here. Um, <clears throat> uh, Noah Gregson uh, will be in that number 42, uh, and that is a petty car for for years past, and uh, I'm sure that he's going to appreciate uh, that opportunity that he's getting uh, to be driving for an organization that has been in NASCAR uh, since the beginning. So uh, GMS is also a big part of that. So uh, uh, I just think it's going to be a good relationship, and hopefully they'll maximize uh, the potential that's there uh, with the different personalities that they have uh, between Eric Jones and Noah Gregson, uh, with the legend <laughs> that they have there with uh, King Richard Petty, uh, and what GMS Racing brings to the table. I think it's all good. I think that, that they can elevate each other uh, from every different direction, and I hope it's a good matchup. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think it's awesome that uh, Gregson is uh, getting pulled up and that he's going to get the 42 car. Um, you know, he's going to be competing for Rookie of the Year with uh, who knows, um, gonna, who, you know, who's going to be announced in the future. But another question is, is who's going to be in the nine car at uh, Junior Motorsports now um, since he's going to be in the 42 car at GMS. But, um, yeah, I mean, Ty Dillon – I mean, he didn't even, like Andy said, didn't even make it half a season before uh, they decided to move on. And, um, you know, he's won a couple of races this year and last year. And, um, you know, he's, I guess, he has earned the ride. I would say that. Um, it's going to be awesome to see him in the cup level next year as a rookie. Um, he was running good at Michigan uh, this past week before um, he uh, – Spun out and had some issues. I don't remember what happened, but I mean, he was he was running pretty good. Uh, he's made a few starts this year. Um, I have a feeling he's going to be competing with Ty Gibbs, Rookie of the Year next year. Uh, that's just who I feel like is going to be called up. Um, that is TBD on Kyle Busch and his situation, but I really do think that's who No Grax is going to be going up against. But um, uh, awesome that he got the 42 car, and yeah, he's got Richard Petty uh, to mentor him now, and Eric Jones his teammate. So um, hopefully they take him under his wing, and uh, hopefully he uh, gets some good runs in that 42 car next year. Okay, Jay, your follow up. Well, my my follow follow up actually goes off something you guys have brought to brought to the table of. 
the dynamic within the team. Uh, you mentioned in a partner with uh, Eric Jones, a little bit differing uh, personalities to see how that goes and works uh, to each of their advantage. But also then the father figure, if you will, of Richard Petty, which I do think is a, is a key thing when it comes to Noah Gregson. The one thing I will say this, that this announcement, again, is kind of the rumor has been heavily out there for the past couple of weeks since Ty Dillon's departure is, had been announced. I was a little surprised. I really felt like Gregson was going to come up, but that it would be with the numbers uh, or with the uh, colleague racing as a second full-time ride next year. So we knew that his play or his was open for a full-time ride. Uh, I thought it would be with colleague racing being that's where he's making his starts this year. So not sure why that didn't develop. Maybe they aren't ready to do that. I don't know. And the one thing I look at, and we talk about this team back when MS came in and they made this partnership deal with Petty and came the two-car operation is the growth they have shown. And I think back even with Bubba Wallace when he was with the 43 team. We saw some good runs. It wasn't consistent week in and week out. We've seen it now out of Eric Jones, and he is becoming a regular uh, top 10 to 15 for sure and being competitive for pole positions and race wins. So, yeah, I think uh, that Gregson's going to add to that in the development of that team, which I know we have our favorites and everything else, but that's what we all want to see is multiple competitive teams. And we've gotten that with the next-gen car, clearly, as we have uh, 15 different race winners from all the organizations this year. So the more organizations that have those top teams uh, I think that 16 winners uh, is going to be broken. If not this year, we're going to see it down the road here. <laughs> okay, Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, Jay brings up a good point there. It is interesting that, um, you know, Noah's made some stars with colleague racing this season and, and, you know, why a full-time opportunity didn't materialize. But, you know, I think sometimes in this business you have to you have to go with, with a good opportunity that's presented to you possibly before other opportunities are presented. And it is possible that, you know, colleague may or may or may not have materialized down the road, hard to say, but I feel like, you know, this is probably an example of, you know, petty GMS went to Noah with an opportunity and it was hard to say no, and it's not a bad opportunity. Um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, when GMS came into the cup series, their intention was to build a winning organization as they've done so in the, um, in the truck series and have done death done so for many years. So this isn't, this isn't a joke of a team. This is a team that is serious. I think about, you know, competing and, and trying to get better. So it's not a bad opportunity for Noah, you know, and I think that if they were willing to give him the opportunity and, you know, allow him to help build the team along with Eric, you know, into the future, then, you know, I, I don't see it as a bad opportunity at all. So, um, you know, and, and like I said, I think it's a team that is serious about trying to get better and, and trying to compete for wins. We've seen Eric Jones run pretty well at times this year. So um, I, I think it's a decent opportunity. And, you know, certainly, you know, when you get that opportunity to uh, go full-time cup racing, you know, especially with a with a decent team, it, it's you can't really say no to that. So, you know, again, it is interesting that other teams didn't, you know, necessarily come to fruition, but I think, 
you know, Noah did what he thought was best, and, and really that's all that matters. Yeah, I will say he's still with the Chevrolet team uh, when he comes to uh, Petty GMS. Uh, but I, like you, am scratching my head a little bit about uh, what happened that he was not able to move up with colleague racing uh, as they were giving him an opportunity, a part-time opportunity in the Cup Series this season. Uh, and with Baird Motorsports, uh, he had that opportunity as well uh, in the Cup Series this year. I think it was a little lopsided. He had more uh, more starts in Baird Motorsports uh, Chevrolet than he did in the Colleague Racing Chevrolet. I don't know if that had anything to do uh, with why. Uh, I, I doubt it, but just something that I've observed. Um <clears throat> I, I will say that uh, uh, I'm glad that he is staying with Chevrolet. I know that he's gotten good mentorship with uh, Dale Jr. Uh, and thinking about the mentorship for Noah Gregson, who better than somebody like Dale Jr.? Uh, again, somebody who I think uh, is a little bit different personality than Noah Gregson is, uh, but is, is able to kind of rein him in. I'm hoping that they can do that at, at Petty, Petty GMS Racing as well, and I think they will with somebody like uh, uh, Richard Petty. But also what GMS Racing brings to the table. Uh, you're right. They they came to uh, the Cup Series with the intention of building uh, a race-winning team, and they want drivers that have that drive to go after those wins. And it was mentioned, and this is what I meant to mention before, it was mentioned that one of the things that caught their eye is the race battle between Noah Gregson and Ty Gibbs and how much they noticed that both of those drivers had uh, matured. And what they what they did in that race uh, in competing for that victory, they were very impressed with that. And so that's what kind of, I think, led to maybe uh, Petty GMS Racing uh, approaching Noah Gregson about coming to their organization. And I suspect that that's what happened in this case. I don't think that Colley, uh necessarily did anything wrong. I just think that Petty GMS kind of were impressed with that race. And uh, they approached Noah and said, we'd like to have you in our organization. And you're right. You just got to make a decision about what's going to be best for, for you as an individual. And I think Noah made a good decision there. So, Tommy, you get the last uh, thought here. I'm curious to see who the sponsors will be next year, too. And, um, yeah, you know, um, I'm curious to see what Calling does for their next car next year. I know that they're in the market for trying to get a, a full charter so or uh, another charter. So I guess they're trying to go two cars full-time next year. Um, I don't see why they don't bring up AJ in that car personally. Um, you know, he's been doing really good in the Xfinity Series for them, but maybe they want to keep him there so that way he can continue to do what he's doing there. Um but also for Noah Graxton, um, maybe he gets to bring Bass Pro Shops and a Black Rifle, but then um, Bass Pro Shops will be on three cars throughout the cup level, which would be uh, Austin Dillon, Truex, and then Noah. So I don't I don't know if they would do that. But um, 
I mean, they've been with Noah since he's been at the Xfinity level. So, um, just curious to, you know, see. And uh, awesome that Richard Petty gets to be his mentor. He goes from junior to Richard Petty. That is that is pretty cool. Um, and he's going to be teammates with Aaron Jones, which is awesome. And he's going to drive an iconic number. And, you know, congratulations to him. Absolutely. All right, we're ready for the next hot topic. And, Jay, I guess we'll go to you next. And then, Andy, you'll be after that. Well, we've hit on it, and it kind of relates to that. Uh, I know there was one announcement of Sam Mayer returning to the number one, uh, so we can talk about that. And kind of tied under that, it looks like, of now who will replace uh, Noah Gregson in the number nine. I don't know if what Mike put up there is official and substantiated or not, or what that implied. I didn't. I didn't follow that one. Yeah, let me just say that 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 whole rumor started with the fact that somebody uh, went to the Junior Motorsports website, and uh, apparently they saw that page uh, making the announcement uh, that it was links, I think, and. Um, uh, Drew Dollar coming into uh, Junior Motorsports for the 2023 season. Now, it has since been taken down, so I don't know (laughs) what the reason why it was up there or why it was taken down, Uh, uh, or if it's something that's been doctored up to look like it was on that page. I don't know. But uh, that's where that rumor started. So, Andy, your thoughts? Well, you know, first off for Sam Mayer, you know, nice to see him back. Obviously, he's done a, a pretty good job in the one car. And, you know, I think another full season will we'll see improvement with him. So, um, not a huge surprise there. Um, you know, I think that that's a good move to, to keep going with him. Um, to You know, like I said, as a young driver, you know, he's, He's had his ups and downs this year. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, he has shown promise with some decent runs, and I think that he'll only continue to improve. So a good decision there. As far as the nine car goes, um, yeah, there's been a couple rumors. Um, I, I hope that JR Motorsports puts a deserving driver in the car. That's really the best way I can put that and be nice about it. Um, you know, I – I I hope that I hope they reward talent over money. That's the best way I can put that. Okay, good job, Andy. Tommy, your thoughts? Well, uh, follow that stuff. The two names so far are Carson Hosafar and Drew Dollar. You know, take it for what it is. It is on Twitter and Reddit. So. Who knows if the rumors are true or not, but what people are speculating, I guess, is um, those two guys. Um, I'm all for Carson Hosevar. Um I think he's had some good runs in the truck series. Um, I do think he has gone forward a little too hard, and um, he's ended up causing a few wrecks in cause of that. But um, he's a likable prospect, and, um, you know, I feel like – Maybe he should stay in the trucks, but, if, I mean, if he can get the opportunity to get that nine car, um, obviously he should definitely take that. And, um, 
hopefully Junior could take him under his wing. Um, I'm not really familiar with Drew Dollar. I know that he um, drives uh, for Toyota uh, in the in the Arca series, and he has driven the 18 car some of the in the Xfinity series, and I believe he raked at Daytona. And I have seen on Twitter that you know it looks like when he races, he tends to wreck people or be in wrecks. So, um, you know, um, I, I don't. I don't really know who – I mean, who knows who's going to get that nine car. Um, right now he's got Josh Berry and Sam Mayer, and um, that's pretty good, and Justin Allgaier as well. So uh, he was talking about going up to the cup level. Um, now that Noah's gone, he can't go with him. So uh, who knows? And with the charters of, what is it, like $20 million now? But I, I really – who knows who's going to get that nine car. But I'm all for Carson Hostbar, I will say that. So um, – I gotta see and think about who the other options are. Yeah, I would agree with you, Tommy, for for some of the reasons that you mentioned there. Uh, Drew Dollar is kind of a Toyota development driver, so for him to switch over to Chevrolet would be a little bit of a uh, surprise to me. Carson Holsabar is in the Chevy pipeline, uh, and we talked about this uh, last week or on Monday, I guess. Uh, from the Mark uh, Rushbrook uh, interview, uh, I guess it was uh, something else that I had read where some of the Ford executives are now uh, working at Chevrolet, and Chevrolet is trying to develop their development program, uh, I think, based off of what Ford has done in the past. And so they're looking to promote people from within their manufacturing. So Carson Hosefar certainly fits that bill and seems like the most more logical of those two uh, to maybe move up into Junior Motorsports' uh, uh, number nine car for next year. And I think he would do a good job in that car. He's on a learning curve like a lot of the drivers that we've seen kind of come up through the ranks here. Uh, sometimes they get a little overly aggressive and they've got to learn to kind of know when they, to be aggressive and when to kind of pull back a little bit and and wait for the right moment versus just going all out. So Carson Hosefar hopefully is on that learning curve, and uh, we'll see him continue to develop that, especially if he does go to junior motorsports. So uh, I would vote for the same. I think Carson Hosefar uh, would be my pick. Uh, and I think especially when you look at the manufacturers, he seems like the more logical choice as well. Uh, there's lots of other opportunities uh, that other people that may get that opportunity, but I think those two, of those two, I would go with Carson Hosevar. Jay? Well, I'll throw one out there in a minute. Uh, first, we're going to talk about Sam Mayer and him coming back. Um, so many thoughts popped into my head there, as, as I think it was Andy mentioned of, Junior Motorsports moving up to the cup level. Yeah, kind of thought that might be where Noah Gregson went. As you mentioned, though, we don't know when or how that's going to develop, and Noah had an opportunity here and now, whether it be with college racing or waiting on Junior Motorsports, if that would ever happen. Uh, Sam Mara, I think, and Josh Berry are the two next ones you got to look at, and both of them going to be back with Junior Motorsports next year. Contending for the championship, I know Sam Mara's had a little bit more up-and-down season. Um, and doesn't have the victories that Josh Berry does. But I think we'll see that in the future because a very talented driver 
as they all go through, you gotta you gotta ride that uh, when to be aggressive, when not to, how to handle each situation. Maybe we haven't seen the best out of that with him, but uh, very very talented driver that I think deserved the contract extension. I guess it is because it's for a, from my understanding a one year deal to next year. We'll see where it goes from there. The name I think we're missing here when it comes to the number nine. And I, as I mentioned, I didn't know where I'm not on Reddit and I don't put a whole lot of stock in a lot of stuff that comes out of there. Twitter there. It's a little more of where it's coming from. Um, but Zane Smith was in line for a cup ride with Ganassi when that whole deal went south, stayed in the truck series is contending your regular season champion. Um, I think Zane Smith is a name you're going to hear start coming up when it comes to these Xfinity series rides. Being that, he had already actually been set to go cup racing. So I don't know what the relationship is there um, as far as with uh, Chevrolet, as you mentioned, the manufacturer. The Drew Dollar thing, uh, I think he gets a little bit, and I'm going to say a little bit, of a bad rep. Um, That's not to say I haven't seen him make some aggressive moves and some mistakes. I, I think I compare him a lot to Ross Chastain. And I know, and I know, Sharon, you and I watched that race. Uh, Bill, Bill Venturini, uh, his comments following uh, one of the races. I think that's where a lot of people are feeding off of uh, was the comments made there. Um, but I think Drew Dollar has some talent. We've seen him get starts in the Xfinity Series as well as the Truck Series. For whatever reason, it has never come to fruition, and maybe it is that team owners feel he does tear up too much equipment, um, and he has to learn that. We've seen other drivers have to go through that same learning curve. So we'll see where his name his name is out there. I mean, and that tells you he's got talent or money. I know uh, Andy and Mike have alluded to that. Okay. Andy, your follow-up. Uh, check the time, yeah, interesting. Shannon. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, is it that time? Okay, sorry about that. Thank you, Jay. Uh, we are at that time of the night that I make an announcement, especially for our first-time listeners. Uh, we are going to go off the air here at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, but we're, you're going to hear us go off the air while we're still talking. So we want you to know we are going to continue recording that conversation, and it will be part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast Now, I'll go out on Twitter when we're done here tonight to let everybody know that the podcast is available. I'll post it on Facebook as well uh, so that when that happens, all you have to do is fast forward to the two-hour mark in order to hear the rest of our conversation here tonight. So we're usually done by about uh, the top of the hour. But, uh, again, we didn't want anybody to be caught off guard and not know how they can hear the rest of the conversation, uh, which is why we make this announcement at this time of the night. Uh, So, uh, Andy, your follow-up. Yeah, you know, you mentioned – uh, Zane Smith, and you know, as a as a candidate to get into the Xfinity Series, you would think so at some point. And you know, he's got history having driven for JR Motorsports in the Xfinity Series. You know, that's certainly somebody that I personally would put at the top of my list if I were in the hiring drivers market. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it'd be cool. To, there's there's definitely some some real talent out there that's deserving of that opportunity. So. 
Um, hopefully, hopefully we'll see, you know, that come to fruition. Um, you know, I'm, in the coming weeks, I'm sure they'll, I don't see them shutting that car down. I think they'll, they'll probably keep running four cars if I had to guess. And so it'll be interesting to see who goes in there. Obviously um, the other side of it that we talk about sometimes is the fact that racing is a business and sometimes teams have to do what they got to do to keep the team going versus shutting it down. Um, we've seen that all too often, but you know, definitely when you look at the history of that car, and the success that it's had and the success that JR Motorsports has had. Um, and, and you look at the talent out there between the truck and the Xfinity series. Um, I think there's a lot of really good candidates that could go in that car. And, and you know, that could be opportunity for, for a driver to have a, you know, a chance at breaking out and, and really showing what they're capable of. So we'll see what happens, but certainly a really good opportunity for, for somebody uh, on moving on down the line to, to try to move up to the Xfinity Series and, and, and go try to win races. Okay, Tommy, your follow-up. Yeah, Zane Smith is a Ford guy um, right now in the truck series. So I don't, you know, they do change um, manufacturers. Um, the drivers, they switch from time to time, but, you know, they do like to keep them in the, at the same place as well. So, I don't I don't know if Zane Smith would be a candidate for that car. I do think he is a, a he is a um um one of the upcoming prospects with Ty Gibbs and Noah Graxon and uh um you know, guys like that. So he's definitely in that bunch of those guys. So I definitely think he deserves to be in it, but I just don't know if Ford will let him go. So, um I'm just curious to see who's going to get in that nine car and, of course, who's going to sponsor it. Or what if they don't even do the nine car at all? What if they just go with Allgaier and Mayer and um, Barry for next year and uh, then just have that fourth car for the junior and whoever wants to race in it, whoever they want to try out. Um, but, yeah, um, that's going to be a, another uh, silly season who's going to be in the nine car next year for junior motorsports. Um, my vote's for host of R. Yeah, Tommy, you read my thoughts. Uh, I was kind of thinking the same thing. I, I think Zane Smith would be an excellent choice for uh, junior motorsports. Uh, I would love to see that happen, but I think Ford is going to try to hold on to Zane Smith. I think they're going to do everything they can to keep him in their fold. Uh, if at all possible. So um, we'll see what happens next year uh, with Ford. Ford needs to open up some spots uh, for drivers like Zane Smith if they want to advance to the next level. And uh, I think that could be the stumbling block for them in maybe trying to keep them. Uh, but Toyota has the same problem. Uh, the the spots and how many spots are there for them to move up to uh, to climb that ladder. So Chevrolet right now has a lot of spots open uh, and seems to be the organization that uh, has the advantage when it comes to that. But um, I do think that Ford is going to want to keep Zane Smith under their wing. Uh, So, yeah, I'd like to see it but uh, I think it's going to be 
uh, up to Zane Smith. He may decide to go ahead and leave Ford, but I think Ford's going to do everything they can to keep him. Uh, to me, Carson Hosevar seems like a good uh, opportunity. I did think about Ty Majeski. He's also in the Toyota fold. Uh, I'd like to see him advance next year. Uh, Christian Eckes, maybe, uh, if he wants to advance, but he's in that Toyota fold as well. So uh, a lot of Toyotas in the truck series, uh, not so many Toyotas when you get up into uh, the Xfinity and the Cup Series. So somebody has to make a choice somewhere down the road, uh, and uh, that's that's where I think a lot of this is, is going to come down to. So um, we'll see what happens. Time always has a way of telling the rest of the story. Jay, you get the final word. Well, Sharon, who is who is our interview with tonight? A Toyota born and bred driver, uh, I believe, all the way back yep. through the Arkham and RD series, and he yep. is in a Ford this year at the Cup level. And, and you mentioned it. I mean, especially when it comes to Toyota, first off, but Ford's in the same boat, not quite as deep. There are only so many spots at the top level, so mm-hmm. that's where I think the key factor comes in. So it'll be interesting, uh, and I know thinking back to Zane Smith's deal, that's how he ended up at Ford was he was in Chevy, and that cup-level deal came through with Ganassi, sold out to Trackhouse Racing, and they went with Ross Chastain, and he ended up over with a Ford. So um, I'm sure Ford would like to keep him, but they also know, you know that the opportunities are limited, so we'll have to see um, where, where it goes. So starting with Sam Mayer, obviously great for him. He's showing what he can do, and it can only get better there in the number one junior motorsports. The number nine, until I see something a little more official or heavily rumored from some more credible sources, I'll just say, uh, I'll leave that at that. It's a possibility for a lot of different people. (laughs) That is so true. Okay, Andy, you're up. What's our next hot topic? Yeah, looking at uh, some truck series news, it looks like uh, DGR has switched the crew chiefs between Tanner Gray and Haley Deegan. Okay, your thoughts about uh, the crew chief swap swap in the truck series, Tommy? Um, yeah, I saw that uh, earlier this uh, or a couple days ago. Um, yeah, uh, Haley's had a few good runs in the Truck Series um, these past two years, but um, she, in my opinion, still has a ways to go before she gets uh, moved up. So I'm hoping that this crew chief change uh, is a benefit for her. Um, you know, uh, like I said, she's had a few good runs, but she's just uh, kind of inconsistent and, you know, some of she's been in a lot of wrecks. They're not always her fault. She just gets caught up in them. But either way, um, you'd like to see more solid runs from her. So I'm hoping that this crew chief change will do that because um, I do want to see her succeed and get up to the Xfinity level and the uh, Cup level because um, she does have a lot of um, uh, she does have a big fan base and um, you know Danica Patrick didn't really work out so. It would be exciting to see a, a woman succeed in the sport. So um, just hope that crew chief changes the benefit, benefit for her. And uh, I hope it also benefits the other driver, uh, 
maybe it hurts them because maybe the crew chief pairing was good between them, or maybe it was changed for a reason. Um, I don't really know, but uh, I just hope it's to uh, Haley's benefit. Okay. Uh, Jay? Well, and that's why I put this one up there. It's an interesting uh, look at of who and why the crew chief w- was made. Uh, you always want to increase performance, starting with the organization. Uh, David Gilly Racing, we've seen across the board, they've been very successful, the truck series, uh, with those two particular teams, haven't quite been up to par on that. So it could be the organization. When I looked at the crew chiefs and the driver pairings, uh, it was tough to tell. If, like Tommy said, it's to try and elevate Haley Deegan, who we haven't seen fully, I think, reach her potential, or was it for the investment in Tanner Gray? And it said Tanner. I'm trying to decide if it was Tanner or Taylor Gray, because Taylor is a regular driver. Um, it says uh, Tanner Gray. Yeah, I know it says it on there, but Taylor Gray is also one of their drivers um, mm-hmm. coming up. So. That's where I say I don't know if it was for the younger driver with the more experienced crew chief. Some different possibilities. I think all of it, again, if you're not getting the full results you want, I mean, that's a starting uh, starting spot to try and build better. Um, so, And we know that's not always an easy thing to do. We saw it with Hendrick Motorsports, Jimmy Johnson, Chad Canales, so maybe the most well-known um, or famous chief driver pairing that we've seen split. Um, so to see how it, how it shakes out, you know, both teams at this point are not in the playoffs. Good time of the year to do it as we go into next season. Um, if they've got to then make more changes before next season, but get that head start. So I hope that it's all a positive for DGR racing, as well as you mentioned Haley Deegan, uh, another one you're right. And that is, when I first read it, uh, it starts with her. I think that is one. And I say Ford is invested now, but again, she came from Toyota, moved over to the Ford camp. I think they'd like to keep her uh, for sure and, and see better results as well, though. Yeah, I would agree. I think a couple of thoughts kind of came across my mind when I saw this change. Uh, if you look at the comments on Twitter, uh, a lot of people feel that the communication between Haley Deegan and Mike Hillman Jr. Were, was very, very good. So they're kind of scratching their head why they would swap the crew chief. Well, results is the reason why. She hasn't uh, – they may have good communication, but they're not getting the results. So they're giving her an opportunity with a different crew chief uh, to see if maybe she can get the results and still have good communication. Um, uh, Tanner Gray, the opportunity for him is he's worked with Jerry Baxter. He's had some success with him, uh, but now he has an opportunity uh, to find out if he can switch crew chiefs and still have those same results. Uh, so it's a chance for the organization as a whole to say, is it the driver or is it the crew chief? Uh, what are the talents of, of both? Uh, can these crew chiefs work with different drivers? And can these drivers work with different crew chiefs and, and get better results? So sometimes um, 
uh, a change like this does kind of produce different results uh, for the better. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work, so we'll have to kind of wait this one out and see how it works out. Uh, but I do think that a lot of times they make these changes, uh, you know, before the season ends just so that they can get that relationship going and it helps them get off to a faster start when they go into the next season. So that's why I think the timing is there uh, the way it is. But Deegan does need to start showing better results uh, in the truck series, and uh, I think this could be an opportunity uh, for her to, uh, you know, to see how she does with Jerry Baxter uh, at the top of the pit box and see if that helps her get better results. Uh, for Tanner Gray, I think it's an opportunity to work with a different crew chief and get maybe even better results. So we'll see what happens and, uh, you know, over these next few races and see if this is uh, one of those changes that sticks. Andy, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> well, you know, it was it was probably time to do some kind of a change. Um, you know, you look at the performance of both the 1 and 15 trucks, and, you know, quite honestly, they both struggled for whatever the reason may be. Um, and sometimes, you know, you just need to change – in leadership, we see this. We've seen this, you know, in the past, and it, it happens quite often, really, where you got to try to spark some kind of a change or do something to maybe see an uptick in performance. And you know, short of replacing the driver, the next thing you do is you change the crew chief. And you know, I think you look at, um, you know, Jay, you asked who it was. It's Tanner Gray that runs full time in the 15. Um, and it's it's his former crew chief, Jerry Baxter, who's going to the one truck. And then uh, Mike Hillman Jr. from the one truck goes to the 15. Taylor Gray is running a limited schedule in the 17 truck. Um, but, you know, you look at the performance of these, these trucks, and it, they just haven't really been able to do what they've wanted to do for whatever the reason may be. And, and so, you know, these kind of changes are inevitable to try to make something happen. But, you know, you, you look at it and, and the DGR equipment is good. When you look at, you know, the 17 truck in particular, which has run, you know, with with Ryan Priest visiting Victory Lane and Todd Gilliland visiting Victory Lane. And, yes, I know these are guys with a lot of experience, but the fact is the equipment is capable of winning races. And then you look at what the 1 and 15 have done and you realize that something has to change in order for – you know, those teams to, to get better. So, you know, I, I feel like it was a move the team had to make. And and you have to think maybe there's some pressure on, on both these drivers to get better because, you know, we we just haven't seen either one really show the promise to, to contend to win or, or be a playoff contender, to be honest about it. That's that's the truth. So uh, hopefully this, this sparks something, you know. Hopefully this sparks some changes to where they start running better because – you know, we all know how the racing business works. Time runs out eventually, and, and unfortunately, you know, I, I don't know how much time they're willing to give these two, but, um, you know, time runs out eventually, and eventually something has to change. Okay. Um, up next is uh, Tommy for your follow-up. Yeah, I just kind of agree with Andy. Um 
I've been wanting to see more from Haley and uh, reason for her to stick around. And, um, you know, honestly, since Todd Gilliland, well, I mean, he, he drove for somebody else. But uh, Ryan Priest has won a race, two races in that truck, I believe. So, you know, changes needed to be made. And if this is an improvement, um, where do they go with uh, Tanner Gray and Haley Deegan from there? Um, he almost... I think Tanner Gray was doing really good um, at uh, uh, where was it? Um, when they the short track they raced it a few weeks ago in Indianapolis. I can't think of the name of it, but he was winning that race before he got wrecked by John Hunter Nemechek. Um, so, but yeah, Haley's just had bad luck in my opinion. She's usually caught up in a wreck or running mid pack, but she has had a few good runs, but um, it, it just hasn't been consistent enough. And um, I hope it works out for her that she can stick around, and I hope this crew chief changes uh, best for both of those teams. Okay, Jay. Now, now all I can think about is Kyle Busch Motorsports. You had Todd Gillen <laughs> and Harrison Burton. Kyle Busch himself driving other drivers stepping into a truck and winning races, what what you're getting the same equipment and you're there week in and week out. Yes, these are drivers with more experience as far as cup level, but you're running them week oh. in and week out. So I, I think that you're kind of running into that same same boat, and you all mentioned it. Ryan Priest coming in, getting a victory with him, David, uh, uh-huh. David Gillen. So, yeah, you got to look at that not making the playoffs. I mean, that's what, you know, Sharon, we talked about it the other night. At this point in the season, you want to get talked about, you dang well better be in the playoffs because that's what it's yep. about. And since they didn't make it, like you said, get a jump on next season, test the waters in, in these next uh, – for the truck series, I think it's, what, seven – I don't remember how many – they start with seven races, six races um, before the end of their season. If it's going to work or not, or maybe they make another change then after, after that to say, okay, we're going to go back the way it was or try something else even different or continue on based on the results over those few weeks. So um, I, th- I think you're right. I think it was just it had to be done. You're not in the playoffs. You're not winning races. Something's got to change. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's for sure. When I look at Haley Deegan's results this year, I'm not even looking at the previous years. Uh, but this year – uh, she has only one top ten finish. Uh, her average start at 21.1. Her average finish two positions back at 23.1. Uh, when you compare that to what Tanner Gray has done this year, uh, he has two top fives. He has five top tens. So it is better, but his average start is in the teens. Uh, he has an average start of 16.9. His average finish 17.6. So it, it, there's room for improvement for both of those guys. Neither one of them have wins. Uh, Tanner Gray has been slightly more successful, um, and, and it, it's really more than slightly. It's almost 10 positions uh, better. Uh, than what Haley Deegan has done this year. And he has top fives where she has none, five top tens where she only has one. So uh, I just think that both of them needed that jump start. And, and you guys have mentioned it. Sometimes it's needed uh, to, to get uh, better results in, in both cases. And uh, uh, I'm hoping 
uh, for both of those drivers that this is a switch that really works well for them. Uh, and despite the good communication between uh, Hillman Jr. and Deegan, they're not getting the results. That's the bottom line. This is a results-driven um, sport, uh, just like a lot of sports and a lot of businesses. Uh, you got to look at the results that are being produced. And Haley's not producing the results that she needs to. Uh, I think Tanner's knocking on the door a little bit more. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's got to get better results to continue to move forward. So we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully it'll be good for both of them. Andy, you get the final word here. Yeah, I just hope that these changes, you know, spark some results and, and, you know, help these drivers progress forward. Obviously the goal is to to win races and and be championship contenders and and move on from there. So, um, you know, whatever it takes to to try to get better and, and hopefully this, you know, sends both these teams in the right direction. Okay. Uh, Tommy, do you have any other topics you wanted to make sure we discussed here tonight? Do we still have Tommy? Oh, I'm sorry. I was muted. Um, Let's oh, okay. go with. Uh, let's see here. While we go with Nice Motorsports uh, parting ways with uh, Chris Wright, or Chris Wright and Nice Motorsports parting ways. Okay, yeah, with Chad Chastain being the first replacement driver there. Okay, um, Jay, your thoughts. Uh, same storyline. I mean, really, if you think about it. The results just haven't been there. We know Nice Motorsports is a race-winning as well as a championship-contending organization, and they just haven't been there. Now, there's always a lot of different things that come into play when you talk about replacing the driver. Uh, we've talked about a couple already tonight, so don't know what the full story as to why, but uh, looking at it from the organization point, uh, and I know they – feel that they can have somebody in their winning races and, and championships contending for championships as they have the, the talent and um, infrastructure there to do so. So uh, I'm excited for Chad Chastain um, in his opportunity. And I know they said that, that there'll be a, a couple of drivers, Chastain being the first one. And I say Chad Chastain. We, we have seen Ross go over there and make some starts, but Chad Chastain um, I always like, and I know it's t- probably tough, and I know Mike talks about the uh, buy-a-ride deal, but organizations like this that have that opportunity, whether it be based on talent, um, family in the business, or whatever, to see different drivers get starts in this because they they get their name and they can show their talent, um, hopefully anyway. So I, I like the idea that they are rotating through some through. If it locks them into a full-time ride there, or maybe we see them get an opportunity somewhere else to name out there. Okay. Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, um, probably just a, a decision that needed to be made here. Um, you know, Nice Motorsports has, um, you know, they've had their flashes of running well. Obviously, we've seen what, what Ross Chassin has done in those trucks in the past. 
And you look at Carson Hosevar, he's run very well, and, and although he has yet to win, he's been close to winning and, and is a playoff contender. But, you know, the other three trucks, the 40, um, the 44 and the 45, uh, they've struggled. And, you know, hopefully making this change will allow the 44 team to be more competitive moving forward, um, whether that's with one or multiple drivers in the truck. So, um, like what Jay already said and what we talked about on the last topic, you know, this is a performance-driven business, and, you know, there were definitely some struggles there for whatever the case may be. Um, but we know that Nice Motorsports has, you know, typically been able to put contending trucks on the track, and I think that if you, you know, if they can get the right driver in that truck, maybe they'll see some improved results moving forward. So, um obviously a decision that had to be made for whoever came up with it, whether it was the driver or the team or both. I don't know. I haven't actually read the article on that, but obviously, um, you know, every, everything has to run its course eventually and it, it ran its course and, you know, they'll both move on and, and hopefully, you know, and not just the team wanting to get better, but, but the driver as well. And hopefully he lands an opportunity that allows him to, to have the kind of results he's looking for, you know, and the same for the team as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, but the only thing I can add is that it comes down to dollars and cents in a lot of ways, too. Uh, Chris Wright has uh, been involved in quite a few incidents on the track and torn up uh, quite a bit of their equipment, and that can only go on for so long. And uh, so I think it came down to dollars and cents for them, as well as the performance uh, that we've been talking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, on the track. It, it 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 has to pay off for the organization at some point. Uh, and when you're investing more than you're getting back, uh, it, it, you've got to do something. So I guess uh, they were kind of forced into this. It really wasn't an article uh Andy, it was just a tweet by Bob Pockris saying that Chastain is entered in the Nice number 44 truck this week. Uh, the team confirming uh, that Nice and the driver Chris Wright have parted ways, uh, and there will be drivers of the number 44 beyond Richmond uh, TBD. So uh, that's about the extent of what we know uh, from is the tweet from Bob Pockris. But uh, I don't really have a whole lot to add here uh, because you're right. It kind of echoes uh, a lot of what we talked about in the previous topic as well. Uh, but I think that Chris Wright, too, uh, has been involved in a lot of accidents, and at some point the organization has to make a decision. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts? Yeah, um, honestly, besides Ross Chastain and uh, Carson Hosevar. Uh, all the other drivers have kind of um, struggled in, in their equipment. Um, I believe it was maybe Brett Moffat that also drove for Nice for a little while there, and he, he ran pretty good as well. So um, besides those three, though, uh, those guys were struggling, which I, I believe this was Chris Wright's first year and Lawless Allen as well, right? Aren't they rookies for Nice? Or, well, one of them was. But, uh, Either way, yeah, I feel like both of those guys have been in a lot of wrecks this year, and um, it's cool that Ross Chastain's brother gets a, a shot. Um, I hope that he performs just as well as Ross and Hosevar do, because um, that would be cool to have, you know, another set of brothers uh, racing each other every weekend. So uh, 
hope he hope he does well in it. And um yeah, uh stinks for Chris Wright, but uh you know, you can't can't be in too many wrecks at some point, you know. You gotta have good results and not total cars. Okay. Jay, your follow-up? Well, Mike's not here, but that would have been the response I expected to actually hear from Mike. Uh, there are some things, I mean, facts are facts. Uh, and if you look at it, you, you are correct. Uh, there has been numerous trucks torn up. And an organization, not that any organization wants or says, hey, we can fund you as long as you want to tear up vehicles. But Nice Motorsports is one that certainly isn't as capable to um, take that kind of hit week in and week out. Uh, so, yeah, that might be a factor. Like I said, uh, there might be a lot of them, but that would certainly have to be a highlighted one, um, as we've talked about. And is there some cases where it may even be that Chris Wright, if he gets time on track somewhere else, comes back? Uh, I think to uh, Roush Fenway, at that time, it might have just been Roush. Ricky Stenhouse told him, we're taking you out of the car for a couple of weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're tearing up too much stuff. We can't afford that. So, I mean, like I said, that's, you're right. It comes down to, as Sharon put it, dollars and cents. Okay. Andy? Uh, no follow-up on this one. I'm good. Yeah, I think I'm good as well. Tommy, you get the last word here. I don't really have much to add either. Okay. Okay, the only other topic that I don't think we got to here tonight had to do with um, uh, Kurt Busch uh, out of the number 45 again this week. Uh, He said he tried some things, uh, physical, pretty physical things this week uh, and heat-related things this week to try to condition himself to get back into the car. And it just wasn't working out. So he's not going to be back uh, in the car this week. It's going to be Ty Gibbs back in the car. So uh, real um, real quick, just one time around, uh, quick thoughts. Uh, maybe we say, here, I'll tell you what. We'll save this one for next Monday night because um, this one is, we'll see how uh, Ty does. He's been doing really well in the Cup Series We'll see how he does this weekend at Richmond, and we'll follow up on that story next week. How's that, guys? It sounds good. Okay, we'll go ahead and go around the horn here and uh, sign off for tonight. Jay, we'll start with you tonight. Uh, You can follow me on social media. Facebook is Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. Thoughts and prayers are with Kurt Busch as he's doing the, uh, making sure he is good to go uh, before he gets back in the car and said we'll follow up on that on Monday. Uh, over the weekend, I will be at your Capital City Raceway, Jackson Motor Speedway, with the Hurricane Area Sprint Cars. Uh, if you're into super late models, they are at the Hornet's Nest, Talladega Super Speedway. And Sharon, you know I like to do this, so I got to do it. One of my favorite drivers, I can't see him, but... It's the Intimidator. Chris Walls is going to be in a car this weekend over there. But I'll be at your Capital City Raceway. All right. Andy. All right. And uh, for me on um, on Twitter, it's CB14Fan. And um, 
thanks for having me on. It's uh, nice, I think, to do two in a row. I don't remember when the last time I, <laughs> I did two in a row was. So uh, good to be able to do that and uh, fun to be on and uh, looking forward to Richmond this weekend um, and getting back to some short track racing. Okay. Uh, does it look good for Monday night? Um, I don't think I can do Monday, but I would say Thursday for sure next week. Okay. Uh, Tommy. Uh, at Cincinnati5Fan on Twitter. Uh, give me a follow. Uh, I've been posting today's date with uh, all my diecast. Um, I still have some cool ones for everybody to see, so uh, give me a follow. And thanks for having me back on. Okay, always a pleasure. All right, uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including fanforracing.com, where we have the uh, Fan for Racing radio player, uh, where you can listen to the live broadcast or the podcast. Uh, and uh, we appreciate all of our listeners for tuning in. Also, to our Fan for Racing crew, Jay Huseman, Andy Lasky, Tommy Kraft. Uh, thank you for being here tonight. We always appreciate uh, your thoughts and uh, all that you do here at Bamford Racing. Uh, we do appreciate it. Um, definitely looking forward to the racing in the in the uh, truck series as well as the cup series out at Richmond Raceway this weekend. Uh, so we'll look forward to talking to you on the other side Monday night starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time for our review show as well as our Hot Topics at 10. And Jay and I will be back next Thursday night uh, to preview the races at Watkins Glen. So with that, I guess we're ready to call it a night, guys. Uh, We'll look forward to the weekend of racing. Hey, have a good night. Have a good night. Good night, everybody. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.